0: Today's show brought to you by the In The Money Newsletter. This is the best way to keep up with all the content we've got going on the In The Money Media Network here on YouTube. We have our iTunes podcast arm, and we've also got great written content, lots of great derby content right now over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. The newsletter, you subscribe, you get it once a week, sometimes twice a week, and that will put everything in order for you so you don't miss any of the best content in the money slash email and sign up for this free email newsletter and drop a comment on either our Derby or Oaks monster pods, and you will get a chance to win a $200 free bet on the Kentucky Derby. Leave us a comment on either show. Let us know who you think is going to win the Oaks and Derby, and also subscribe to the free newsletter. We'll pick a winner at random, and we appreciate you very much. That link to sign up once again in the slash email. Hello and welcome to what's annually our most popular show of the year, the Kentucky Derby Monster Pod. This idea we started on a lark a few years ago, it's taken on a life of its own, as you can see, from the running time. But uh, I promise you, you will not regret it, even if you have to take more than one session to get a chance to check this thing out. We've got great insights from a who's who in the racing industry. And I, Peter Thomas Fornatal, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker, will be co-hosting with my man, Often he's coming to us from the planet, Texas. I think he's at, uh, uh, oh gosh, am I going to get it wrong? Is it uh, it, uh, El Casa
1: Rojo? Is that where you are right now? Yeah, I think it's Casa de Rojo. Casa de Rojo. (laughs) Not not to be confused with the one-eyed horse Un Ojo, Casa de
0: Rojo. We'll get to him. We'll get to him in a little bit, Un Ojo. But, you know, the Derby, this is an event for you. I think it's not an exaggeration to say it forged you as a horse racing fan.
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, in 2009 was was the first Kentucky Derby that I went to. Um, and outside of a, of a darn pandemic, I would have kept the streak alive of not missing one. Um, it's it's exciting. It, they, they say it's the most exciting two minutes in sports. And it's for a reason. And the reason being is because there is no we'll get him next year. There is no. Oh, we're going to draft a better quarterback. We're going to trade for a receiver. Oh, if we can only get someone in free agency, there is no next year. If you cannot run in this race on Saturday, May 7th, you're not running. And uh, that's what makes it so special. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for these horses, for these connections. And uh, it, it, that, those two minutes are, are like nothing else. When they run by you for the first time, it's a feeling that I can't describe when I try to uh, to tell people who have never been
0: like nothing else in sports, like nothing else in racing. And I'm really proud of the cast of characters we've put together here. A couple more interviews to go where, you know, obviously we record this stuff out of order, but uh, you know, without making you play favorites or anything, you you pleased with some of the insights you've gotten from the, this uh, in these industry insiders, JK.
1: Yeah, so far so good. Uh, we got Maggie Wolfendale. Uh, we Well, she's on the Oak show. We caught her at the airport, which was fun. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to see who else we got there'll be some good stuff. We got, we've got some good stuff running around. It's always, it's fun to hear different people's perspective on different situations. Um, And I I think it's, 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 you can listen to Pete and I talk over and over and over again. And I'm going to continuously tell you how bad I want Zandon to win because I have a future wager on him. Uh, So a two hour show of me um, putting my personal interest in front of yours is not going to do you any good. So I think this is a better way to go about it.
0: It does make a lot of sense when you put it that way. In terms of our final insights, final answers, those will be coming. We're going to be doing a live streaming show on May 4th, exact time to be announced. It'll be archived as well on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave us a nice review if you like what you see, or you can follow us over at uh, in the money media on iTunes and we've got our blog in moneypodcast.com as well. You're right about running around JK. I, I feel bad. We haven't gotten a chance ever since we took that romantic sunset bike ride at, at big Sur on the Peloton. I've barely seen you. Was it something I said, what do I have to do to get a second
1: date? No, look, I, I just been running around. I was on a two week road trip. Um, back on the Fox show tomorrow, which is not going to help anyone because that's not today for you, but in this world, I'm back on the Fox show tomorrow. And then I'm back on the road again, running around, but I will see you in person Uh, on wednesday uh, of derby week and some people are probably watching that as if it was yesterday so sorry for all these days i know it's very (laughs) confusing i was just answering pete's question
0: there you go great stuff jk let's get to the show right after this today's show also brought to you by in the money plus hey we're still doing everything we always did uh, outside the paywall on the in the money media network but we've also got our plus service you get some extra content extra shows we're gonna have extra stuff for Derby weekend, extra writing. And you also get little digests with the picks from all the shows as part of plus 15 bucks a month. This is extremely competitive given that you get our whole derby package for that money. And then it keeps rolling throughout the year with lots of extra comment co- content around the summer meets, etc. In the moneypodcast.com slash plus is the place to go to sign up. Check it out. In the com slash plus. Next up on the show, a trainer looking to accomplish something that's never been done in the history of the Kentucky Derby because he was awarded his first Kentucky Derby win earlier this year when Mandaloon was put up. And now he's got three chances to become the first trainer to ever win the Kentucky Derby twice in one year. He is Brad Cox. Brad, how are things? Great, Pete. How are you doing? Would that mean anything to you, a, a wild <laughs> accomplishment like that, or, or would it be more about you living the dream you told me about years ago on one of our uh, Ten Strike podcasts, just to get that thrill of winning the Derby in in, in real time?
2: Yeah, no, that that's the goal, the win it in real time for sure. So uh, it would be it would be great if it happened this year. We would definitely definitely be happy if one of our colts um, could uh, get there. You know, someone texted me the other day. We have 15% of the field. I said, well. I, but hopefully, five percent of the fifteen is a winner. We'll see, we'll see, how, it we'll see <laughs> That's how it goes. great. Well, I do. I
0: will. I do have to rewind one bit. What kind of Kentucky Derby victory celebration do you have when you get the news so far after the race? I mean, is there dancing? Is there celebration? Are there fancy dinners? Or how does it go? Uh,
2: I was uh, sitting on the couch, I think, watching TVG, and um, I got a text that you know they made the decision, and I think. Um, I was went upstairs. I packed my bag. I was leaving for Saudi Arabia the next day uh, to go that weekend to watch Mandolin, uh, or be with Mandolin when he was going to run in the Saudi Cup. So, uh, now there wasn't really any celebration, and it was kind of unexpected. But uh, uh, we're we're kind of left in the dark the whole time with with everything as it's going on but you know it doesn't really matter to me I mean it's one of those things where uh, there's nothing we can do about it so it doesn't matter if we know what's going on or not to be honest so um, don't worry about anything we don't really worry much about what we can't control I we uh, just you know press on that's on. a
0: winning attitude that's a winning attitude for sure and I'm kind of not surprised in the life of a horse trainer that the you know not much not much time for a quiet reflection and and thinking back to what was going on last year because you got so much going on this year now, nominally, you know, the gimmick of the show, of course, 20 horses, 20 guests, which, you know, we're breaking format, obviously, with a great opportunity to talk to you. Uh, but let's start with the horse that you're nominally here to talk about. And that's Tawny Port. At what point did you get the idea that Tawny Port might be a contender for a race like the Kentucky Derby?
2: Well, I think it's uh, really once he broke his maiden. I mean, his pedigree suggests he would stretch you out. He was able to break his maiden. Um, at Turfway this winter. Um, and we thought about bringing him right down to the fairgrounds and, and uh, uh, you know, starting him in a lounge race on the dirt. But I said, you know, I talked it over John Fort, and, you know, he, he, I said, you know, listen, if, if you could, let, let's not change too much. Let's keep him right where he is. Let's try him around two turns again on the synthetic. And if he runs well, let's ship him down for the risen star. That's exactly what happened. We were happy with his race in the risen star. Um, Florent wrote him that day, uh, came back some good feedback. Uh, we, me and John had huddled up and thought, you know, listen, if we, if we want to take a swing at a big purse, we probably don't need to really chase, chase epicenter around there again. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe we, we, we come back and, and we get getting back on the surface and take a big swing in a $600,000, hundred point race. We did. He picked up 20 points and immediately after the race, John was like, you know, we need to nominate to the Lexington. I said, well, we already did. Cause the noms closed a, a couple days ago. <laughs> and, um, he said, you know, if this horse is doing good, I think we really need to take a shot as we got closer, I kind of thought, you know, we, he might, he might jump off that idea, but you know, as we got closer to the race the, and even, even the day we entered the horse, I kind of thought to myself, you know, maybe we'll just look at, we'll still look at it and I'm not dead set on running, but we're just going to watch him. And we did. And he, he didn't give me any reason to not run him. He really, really didn't. Uh, you know, I know that's a thing we don't see much anymore running horses back on short rest, uh, at a high level, um, or at the top level, I guess you would say, or a graded stake level. But the horse didn't give me any indication that he wasn't doing well. His weight was great. He had an easy half mile, I think, the Monday before the race. And, you know, once uh, the entry came out, I thought, you know, if he's doing well. Let, let's take a shot. It, it worked out in a big way. It sure did. And when you look back at that risen star, that,
0: that's interesting. You say you were happy how he ran. I mean, I think superficially, a lot of people would say, what do you mean he was he was fifth beaten seven lengths? But you go back and you look at that trip, And he didn't break well. Mm -hmm. He had trouble after that. He did keep trying. So Mm -hmm. maybe there was some hidden ability for the dirt shown there. And that's certainly what it looked like the other day in the Lexington stakes. At this point, what surface do you think Tawny Port is better on synthetic or traditional dirt?
2: Well, I I think he's pretty good on both. Uh, His numbers are similar on both. Um, but, you know, I'd like to tell you the dirt because, I, I mean, there's a lot of options for three-year-olds um, on turf and dirt moving forward um, where, you know, you can make a lot of money. Um, obviously, Naira has a great uh, circuit for three-year-olds going long on the dirt, turf, I should say, and then obviously the Triple Crown Series and the other, you know, lucrative derbies throughout the country for uh, these three-year-olds going around two turns on the dirt and turf. So, um, you know, it, it's really hard to say. I do think he can. he's obviously shown he can – You know, he actually hasn't shown that he can run on the turf because he's never had the opportunity, but we we, we think when they run on the synthetic, the way the races are run sometimes with the pace, that, you know, it'll translate over to the turf. So, um, you know, right now I would have to say the dirt because he's never run on the turf. So um, he's run on the synthetic, but uh, he's solid enough. I think he's an honest horse. I really do. Have you seen any
0: sign from him or any indications that the tougher test of the Derby, the added distance are going to be things that are, that are to his benefit. I mean, he's looked excellent, but obviously just uh, on the numbers, this is a big ask. And he's got to step up. Are you you seeing any reasons why he
2: might? Well, listen, it's going to be back in three weeks. And, you know, listen, you're probably right. Like on a buyer scale, he probably needs to move forward 10 to 12, maybe as much as 15 points. That's a hard ask. It's a big ask. And, 15 days or not 15 days, but three weeks. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, he did come out of the race in good shape. Uh, if something, something happens, uh, if he got a perfect trip and, you know, maybe a pace collapse or something, he get, gets a good trip. He could be right there. So, uh, I do think he'll get the mile and a quarter. So I think he'll stay on and that's a positive. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, right after the, the Lexington, he may not, he's probably not the, definitely not the fastest horse in the race, but the mile and a quarter is something I think he'll take too. And we'll see how it goes. Let's talk about your other derby runners going next
0: to CyberKnife, Arkansas Derby winner. Really curious to get a trainer's perspective on that race. It was an unusually run race, very fast early. CyberKnife certainly showed toughness as he, uh, as he ran through the lane. But, but also I, I thought, and, and, and I hope you, you don't take this the wrong way, but maybe a little bit of greenness in the lane there as well. What did you make of CyberKnife overall in,
2: in Arkansas? No, I totally agree with you. I mean, he, uh, I, I know he 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 totally runs that way, but he's improved. I mean, I I don't know how many of his races you've watched, but he was DQ'd in his first race for, you know, running erratic down the lane. His second run, he was switching leads late and not really going by the other horse and not focused on, you know, going forward more to focus. He was maybe waiting for his the jock to to tap him with the whip. Uh, he just just wasn't focused on you know, moving forward and then obviously broke his maiden in his third run and almost, <laughs> of course, come out, almost catch him. Um, but listen, that's just kind of been him and, you know, we'll talked it over without golden. I've always thought, you know, he's a horse that the more he does it, the better he's going to get. And I definitely, definitely think he's really, uh, run more professional in his last two runs. And I think he's a horse, the, the more he does it, the better he's going to get. Um, Overall, the race in Arkansas I thought was a really good race because when Florent turned up the backside and started splitting horses, I thought, man, if this horse gets run down, he's going to be in trouble. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he, he stayed on. I thought he, I thought he showed um, – I, I thought it was impressive for him to make that move up the backside, split those horses, and then almost take a little bit of a breather into the turn and then kick on down the lane and you know it takes a very talented horse to make a couple different runs in a race and i think he's getting a little overlooked but you know it is what it is um he's really really seems he really seems to move forward after that race since he's moved to churchill um he's had some great mornings training He schooled in the gate last week He schooled in the gate this week and he's he's um you know moving well he had a fantastic work this past weekend um just worked in a minute um I think I had him in a minute, too, and, you know, was well well in the bridle and, and galloped out great and, you know, doesn't really seem to take anything out of him. So, um, you know, he's a horse, another one I, I do think a mile and a quarter with his pedigrees out, out of a, uh, I believe, a Flower Alley mare that yep. I just produced. Um, um, I'll have another, and, um, and, and, you know, obviously being a gun runner, I think you know, the mile and a quarter, he was a classic winner. So, you know, I don't think he's going to have any issue with the mile and a quarter. I've had one. This is a tangential
0: question, but while I have you, after the LeComp didn't work out great, now granted he had an excuse in there w- with no trip, the idea of going into that allowance race, I've heard horsemen talk about it almost like a confidence booster to get take them from the, the tougher competition and 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 race them somewhere easier that it can help a horse mentally. Is there anything to that or or did that just seem like the next logical spot to, to run him in?
2: Uh well I think there's a little bit of, there's something to it, but it, it made the most sense. I mean I, we I think we were fifth or sixth in a grade three. We didn't need to come back and run in a grade two, and that's basically how I look at it from a trainer standpoint. You try to you know, me personally I like to run where I'm eight to five, not uh thirty to one. Uh nice. and that's what would have been happening. Um and I, I think it's what I I think, you know, these horses, I mean, if they keep getting beat over and over, um, you know, they they become okay with that Uh, right and whether you want to say it's confidence but you know i think i think uh you know you you have to run them where they can compete um and that's i think that's the ticket to a lot of this and 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 having success at the in the afternoons is, is placing these horses properly and i thought it made the most sense for him um you know we could have came come back in the uh Louisiana Derby but with going to Arkansas we were able to get another week we were able to take a swing at a grade one as opposed to a grade two and I told our Gold, I said listen I think this is a very good horse he knows he's a good horse and you know let's take a swing at a grade one because we think this is a grade one horse and you know we, we could be facing epicenter which is obviously a grade one talent as well and, you know, I, th- I thought it made the most sense and it worked out for him. So it took the Grade one off the table and it took a little pressure off. But, you know, obviously the, the Kentucky Derby's, you know, the, you know, goal number one. And we'll see how it goes.
0: Let's talk about Zozos,
2: your third runner in the
0: race. What he lacks in experience, he certainly seems to make up for in talent. Um, big question. When I look at Zozos years ago on the 10 strike pot, I remember you telling me that At the sale, you're much more apt to look for a horse, bred to go a mile, bred to go a mile on the 16th, and try to get them to go the mile and a quarter on training. When I look at Zozo's pedigree, personally, I see a horse that, you know, maybe wants to go a mile, but maybe he wants to go seven furlongs. But you look at his form, and it's something very different. Obviously, the distance agrees with him. But at what point did you have the idea this was a horse that was going to stretch out?
2: The first time I run him, and he didn't run as well, when he didn't run as well, first time out as i thought he would and that's the an honest truth i thought this horse was i, I, don't, I don't really know i mean he was i know i know but when you watch the replay <laughs> he's on his left lead he's kind of doing it and honestly um i can't think of the name of the horse um uh that that that, that, that Deshaun parker i think rode for steve Asmussen that day that horse kind of almost he he kind of dropped in a little bit, and I'm not so sure if that horse continues on straight, he probably wins the race. And it was almost as if we just kind of fell into a win there. And and you know, obviously things would be a lot different um, if we we hadn't broke our maiden. Uh, yeah, I, I was a little taken back when when he when he didn't run maybe a little faster or better first time out. He raced a little green and then we stretched him out and it's like, okay, well, there you go. That's the horse we thought we had. And he, he liked, he, he, he liked the two turns. Um, he able to put himself up in the race, but he's a talented horse. He's very talented. He's a, he's a very strong horse. And, you know, based off of physical standpoint, you know, Nick's go taught me a lot because Nick's go didn't necessarily look like a horse that was wanting to go much much more than a mile based off his physical either. I mean, he was a, you know, not, not the biggest horse in the world, carried a lot of weight, heavy muscle, muscular horse that, you know, obviously he got a little older that most of these stallions or Colts put on weight. They put on muscle. Uh, but he, he's, he's a very good looking Colt. Like you said, you may not walk up to him and think, wow, he's screaming a mile and a quarter, but you know, he does have speed and he definitely can carry it around two turns. I thought his Louisiana Derby was a big run.
0: Oh, definitely. And we'll get to that. Stayed in for half, which is a great name. Is that that's the horse you were thinking of from the yeah. from the maiden yeah. race. And the, yeah, that form has certainly worked out well, uh, you know, smashed up that allowance field and then came back and, and set the pace. And we've talked several times in the call about, you know, you clearly consider epicenter uh, one of the main uh, th- competition, if not the outright favorite in the derby and, and has form close up to him now. What do you think tactically? You're going to want to do, you know, without giving away the store here, but with with Zozos, so, I mean, is is the lead
2: where he wants to be in the Kentucky Derby? It could be. It could very well be um, or, or right right there off of it. I mean, I kind of kind of envision him getting a uh, an, uh, a mandaloon trip, maybe, uh, you know, obviously it depends on the post post. Um, but, you know, just break running, go forward, and, uh, you know, establish some position early. And, you know, if if, he, if he's on the lead, uh, so be it as long as it's comfortable enough. I mean, you know, I, I don't really think you see the toward paces you used to in the Derby. Uh, maybe, say, 10, 15 years ago, and we've talked about this lately with some other people, uh, you know, just now it's based, since the point system come in, the pace doesn't seem to be quite as quick as it used to be um, when they just went off graded earnings because I think you got a lot of horses that obviously pick up graded earnings throughout the year, maybe even their tier-up season with the sprint races where you got the, 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 the fast pace, the 44s and 45s or whatever they were, where you, you don't really quite seem to get those paces anymore.
0: No, that's absolutely right. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out, but I do think, you know, Mandaloon is a pretty good uh, pretty good model for, for what could work out for him. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you quickly about the Oaks where you're sending out uh, Turner Loose in that mm-hmm. spot, the Rachel Alexandra winner. How's she been doing? She's been working with Zozos, right?
2: Yeah, they breezed last week and and it it was a really, really good move. Um, you know, listen, she's she's it's a it's it's gonna be a big step for her. Rachel was a great race, she got a good trip. Uh, Maybe a little bit closer to the pace in the Fairgrounds Oaks. Obviously, we're chasing a champion around there. Then we'll have to face again, and it's a deep group. But, you know, listen, she qualified. She has 50 points, maybe 52, whatever it may be. And she's earned one of the 14 spots. And, um, you know, look, stranger things have happened. Um, um, As long as she's doing well, we're going to give her an opportunity. She's deserved it, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Thank you so much, Brad. Really
0: appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you uh, in your hometown in a couple weeks. Sounds good, Pete.
1: Thanks for having me on.
3: Shawnee Roy,
1: hello my friend.
3: Hello friend. How are you?
1: I'm well. I'm well. I'm uh I'm uh I'm excited to have you here. It's so good to see your face. Um definitely
3: the best-looking guest we've had. I don't there can't be. That's not even a question I would think. No. I uh, maybe maybe I'm just the first one you've had though. So that could be.
1: No. 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 Um I will we're, we're going to talk Zandon, but i do want and you'll have i'm sure you'll have plenty of opportunities next week with pete to to express your your uh, undying love for a different horse but i wanted you to at least be able to mention it here and there's a little bit of a connection between the two of them
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i really like mo Donegal, um and really the the only reason that i can split the two is just my figures for the wood came back faster and have come back faster than most of the commercially available figs as well so that's just an edge that i have to take um, but the colts are really you know style wise and ability wise they're, they're very similar other than that one last race
1: well you know obviously you being based in lexington and and, and you know a majority of your horse playing career you had a, you were in an office at Keeneland, I'm sure you've watched a lot of bluegrasses, and, and they've been big parts of your betting days, and in some of your sad betting days as well, I would imagine. But tell Absolutely. me what you thought of Zandon's performance in the bluegrass.
3: I thought it was I thought it was tremendous. Really, I thought, you know, I don't think the pace was exactly suited, you know, for his his best effort. Um, I don't think the trip was great either. He sort of got shuffled and, and caught behind a uh, caught behind things on that far turn, and then just you know, just exploded home. Um, so I, th- I thought it was a, a tremendous effort and a, and a great prep race for a race like the Derby.
1: And from an LP standpoint, um, you know, your figures focus a lot on late pace. Um, does he, does he obviously the, the Modona one's probably a big one. Is he in the mix? Is he in the mix there at the top with his LP?
3: Yeah, absolutely. They're, you know, they're, they're one and two, um, not necessarily, you know, as I would, you know, just off of LP, I would probably put Zandon slightly ahead just for consistency. Um, but you know, they both threw huge ones in the remsen, mm-hmm. which really, you know, as two year olds going nine furlongs to throw, you know, the LPs that they threw, just to, to, that's that was the, the clue to me to those were the two I wanted to watch coming out of the two year old races is just. just uber talented horses Um, and Zandon is back, you know, he has triple digit late pace for me in, in all three of his route races, you know, and all of them, well, I guess the remsen, he got a fairly good setup, but those last two, he he didn't even get, didn't even get good setups and and still did it. So he's, he's an extremely talented horse. Um, You know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, horses like this were just automatic, you know, all in bets in the dirt, because you knew there'd be pace, you knew, you know, stuff would be falling apart around them and, and they've got good jockeys and and could finish, but you know, the the Derby now, especially this year, the pace is sort of muddled, I would say. Um, So it's, a, you know, that's one small strike against horses with this style, but you know, these horses, Zandon in particular has shown so much ability to overcome adversity, you know, primarily because he could finish races like that, that he's, he's a, he's a proud contender.
1: And, and and look, I think there's also that kind of silly notion um, that and I think it's starting to basically go away. There's that silly notion about like Chad being this like turf trainer and these turf races. But one thing I will say about his horses when they run on the dirt, they're, 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 they are rateable horses that sit chilly, and finish races and mm-hmm. they don't, you know, and even if they have tactical speed, if they can put themselves a little bit closer, they're still responsive. And I think that has a lot to do with how he trains them in the morning. And so, although he hasn't won a Kentucky Derby, I do believe his training style fits what it takes to win that race, which is the ability to shut off. Cause people, we always talk about the mile and a quarter. None of them are bred to go a mile and a quarter. It's just which ones handle it on the day.
3: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I've, you know, I've, have started really, not totally discounting pedigree and and distance and stuff like that, but just focusing on, on figures, um, to tell me if horses can quote get the distance, but I, I sort of agree with you. I think they can all get the distance. It's just how fast can they get it and how efficiently can they get it? Um, so, you know, I have no question about distance for, for this horse. Um, I don't know much about his pedigree to be honest, but it, you know, his nine for a long race is me he can get the distance.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's an upstart. So it's, 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 still to be determined. When it comes to, when it comes to the way you'll kind of approach this race, I, we, we know you're interested in Mo Donagle from a figure standpoint and in your own figures that you make. Um, will you be, I know we kind of both speak the same language. Will Zandon and Mo Donagle be kind of equal presses for you? Will you, will you press a little harder on Mo Donegal. Um, is there any other kind of A type press types you'll be using? Um, maybe a couple B suggestions?
3: Yeah, you know, to me, this race sort of boils down to like four main contenders on the on the win end. And it's, you know, Taiba, extremely talented, extremely fast, has a lot left to prove. But if he draws the right kind of draw and draws outside, and gets to sit outside some other speed or even make an easy lead, then he's you know, he, he could easily win this race. Um, Epicenter is another one I think could could win. Um, he's tractable, can finish. He finished really nicely in the in the Louisiana Derby. Actually, I, he got a perfect trip, but but he did it the right way. And then the the two we've talked about, Zantedo and Modonigal. Those are the four I'm going to sort of concentrate on. I'm going to press Modonigle, um mainly because I think the odds may be better and my figures are better. But it's it's sort of a Value press more than I like the horse that much better than those other ones.
1: I love it, Sean. I love you, and I'm sure that uh, the, the 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 listeners of the In the Money Network will get to get a little bit more shiny before it's over. I'm sure Pete's already bothered you.
3: He has, he has. I shut him down the other day. I couldn't, I couldn't do a key car, but I'm I'm in for Derby stuff.
1: Hey, and and I'll and I'll be honest. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. I said, I said, hey Pete, I'm going to try to get Sean for Zandon. And he's like, uh, I was like, did you use him for something else? He's like, no, you know, just, Sean shut me down like 10 times in a row. So I just figured he didn't want to yeah, do it. Well,
3: you know, Pete's, yeah, he's a lot to take at times. He just can't, you can't just yeah. hop on there anytime he comes calling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you, buddy. I'll see you soon. I'll see you, man. Love you too. Next up on the show. Next up on the
0: show, happy to welcome in a guest who was meant to be part of last year's Monster Pod festivities, but the horses we picked for her kept scratching. So she ultimately ended up on the cutting room floor, much to the the loss of the, the audience, who always loves to hear from her. She does fantastic work. You've seen her on the NBC coverage, which you'll see once again for this year's Kentucky Derby, amongst other places as well. Brittany Hurton, Brittany how are things?
4: Oh, things are great, Pete. Thanks so much for having me. And yes, what is this about every horse that I come on here to cover gets scratched? Let's hope that's not the case with the horse I'm covering today.
5: We,
0: we talked uh, off air about where you were most comfortable going in terms of your monster pot appearance this year. You specifically mentioned the Southern California circuit. I'm going to bring up a horse that has some uh, resemblances, at least superficially, to last year's derby first past the post. This is a horse mm-hmm. that uh, had some success earlier on, stamped himself as a contender, maybe the bloom a little bit off the rose uh, as we head into the Derby, but has speed, has talent. Tell us what you think about Messier.
4: Well, and all of those things are very important when we talk the first Saturday in May. And he does kind of resemble, you mentioned Medina Spirit, he also kind of resembles authentic too, who did not win the Santa Anita Derby and then won the Kentucky Derby. Messier, an incredibly talented horse by empire maker. I'm looking at his last race and I just watched the Santa Anita Derby again and he broke a little bit flat footed and that is not going to be to his benefit come the first Saturday in May with those 20 horses in the starting gate. We know how important it is to break sharply from the starting gate. So for me that was a bit of a question mark, but he didn't look completely stable in the starting gate. So maybe it was just a one-off. He got back into stride pretty quickly to sit about a length off of Forbidden Kingdom. And I thought it was an easy enough race, but to be honest, He probably thought, when I say he, Johnny V, the Hall of Famer, that he had got the race won once he passed Forbidden Kingdom. Now we hear, of course, Forbidden Kingdom, unfortunately, not going to the Kentucky Derby with a possible epiglottis issue in that Santa Anita Derby. But here comes Taba, who everyone knew had the talent, but was he able to go from that sprint race to the two-turn race in the Santa Anita Derby, and oh here here he comes with all of this momentum. I think it was a very good race for Messier, and I think it was a good pre prep race, I should say, for the Kentucky Derby because the biggest dance is the first Saturday in May. It's not the first Saturday of April.
0: I'm reading between the lines and I'm hearing that maybe you think uh, in the prep race, the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, that that uh, John Velasquez had a little bit up his sleeve, maybe maybe thought the maybe thought the race was won slash wasn't too worried once he knew he was going to get a positive finishing position to get him into the Derby. Would you be surprised if we see more out of Messier in the first Saturday in May?
4: I would not, and I'll correct myself. I think it was the second Saturday of April. Florida Derby was maybe the week before. <laughs> um, This is what makes Johnny V so good. He knows exactly what he needs to do to get the job done. He knew that this horse needed points. It's been well documented that the horse was not able to get any Kentucky Derby points when running for Bob Baffert. Now a Tim team was eligible. So he had to finish first or second to make that starting gate. And then obviously with the 40 points, it moves to um, graded stakes earnings. So when Johnny knew he was beat, yeah, why wouldn't you wrap up on the horse? You're not going to keep riding him to get a smaller margin of defeat, I guess you would say. I was watching his body language as he was coming around the turn in the Santa Anita Derby. So he knows he's got Forbidden Kingdom beat. And so he starts riding to the finish, uh, Messier, and then looks under his arm, and here comes Mike Smith. Mike has the momentum. So for me, it did look like the perfect prep race. And what I really like about Messier is his beautiful stride once he gets into rhythm. And might take him a bit, but if he breaks sharper in the Kentucky Derby, the distance is going to be no issue for him. And he'll be forwardly placed, which as we know, in the past, what, seven or eight years, the Kentucky Derby winners have come in that first flight. It's really hard for a deep closer to win.
0: It really is. Looking back from 2014 on, the furthest back uh, you're, you're looking at, would is you'd barely even call them a stalker, really pressing type horses. Right. And of course, the last three years, first past the post, um, absolutely leading gate to wire. All right. So with this all in mind, looking at the pace figures Messier's been running and noting that he might even be able to get out there with more alacrity, with, with, more, uh, with a better push off out of the gate, could he actually be the leader in the race?
4: I don't think so, to be honest. I, I think there are other horses that are just naturally quicker from the gate, but he doesn't need the lead. I mean, I've got his past performances in front of me, of some of his best races have come from sitting just off of the pace. Maybe he's been in the field that's smaller, and he can inherit that lead just naturally. But I think there are other faster horses within the race. I was fascinated to not see Taba on the lead, to be honest, or at least see him right. pushing. Forbidden Kingdom considering he was stretching out from a sprint race. So with the two turns underneath his belt, I don't see him being too forwardly placed. My guess would be at the center wants to take it to them from the get go.
6: Yeah, but that's
4: what but that's what makes it fascinating, right? And Zandon, to me, is a very, very intriguing horse, but he's up against it from a pace standpoint. So I think that's what's going to make this year particularly interesting. We have a lot of really talented horses, none, if I'm being honest, that have totally blown me away. But doesn't that make for a better betting race,
0: too? <laughs> it's going to be fascinating. One last one for you. You mentioned the other big question Messier is going to have to answer going from the, the, the shorter field prep race out to the 20-horse field. Is there anything you see in him on the racetrack that makes you think he'll be either particularly adept or maybe struggle with the transition to a much bigger field?
4: Well, I like the fact from what I saw in the Santa Anita Derby, his ability to be between horses, his versatility in terms of the pace scenario. So all of those things you want to see when you have a 20 horse starting gate. I've also never really seen him turn a hair. I've covered him a few times. And in terms of the pomp and circumstance that you're going to see with the Kentucky Derby, he strikes me as a fairly mentally mature horse. I don't think he's just going to lose it out there. Unlike say, uh, who's gotten better, but simplification for Antonio Asano, he can get really warm um, and lose his head a bit. So you want to know that the horse can handle everything that comes with the Kentucky Derby. So all of those things put together, I definitely like. It's a question mark of if he's going to get out of that gate quickly and into the first turn with a good positioning.
0: Brittany, it's always a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you in Louisville.
4: Looking forward to seeing you. Thank you so much for having me on here. Always a pleasure, Pete.
1: The hardest thing is going to be keeping this under five minutes, but I would also imagine it's pretty hard to make a figure for a mile and three sixteenths race when they run one like once every year.
7: Yeah, I think this was the third one. So uh, I actually had to rely on a a little bit of data that we had uh, along with using some other tracks that run the distance like Pimlico, which has a similar layout. So, you know, you do the best you can with it. It's not ideal, but, you know, what else can you do?
1: Well, Greg, I-, I want to talk a little bit about the pace, but but we'll start with an individual who feels likely, and I wanted to get your take if you think the same thing, uh, to find themselves on the front end, and that's Zozos, who was second in the Louisiana Derby.
7: Yeah, I think he's certainly going to try. I-, I don't know if he will be there. Unfortunately, it's a little too early for me to have our pace projector but I suspect he's going to be shown a little bit back for the mere fact he, he just hasn't run all that fast, even though he's been on the lead. So uh, his prospects for me are not very good in this race uh, for that main reason. He's quick and, and I suspect they will go for the lead and I suspect he can run faster than what we've seen him do so far. But it, it's going to be a whole new ball game come uh, May 7th.
1: Who do you think at this time is likely, like you said, the pace projector will be up sooner than later. I was actually, I actually looked to check. I love how you can on time form us. You can, you don't think you can, but you can jump ahead to days and there's information there more often than not, especially breeders cut time. I think it's very useful. Um, Who do you think will be out on the front end without the, the comfort of the, of the pace projector yet?
7: I think it's going to come down to about three horses. And one is the real wild card is summer is tomorrow. The horse that ran second in the UAE Derby, but he's had a really quick pace that day. He's a fast horse. He's got sprinter speed. Uh, I used to make pace figures for Maidon. I I haven't done it in a while, but uh, I did it really roughly just before coming on this show and and it was pretty quick. So I I would suspect he's going to be gunned to the front because what other chance does he have now, whether he's going to make it, I don't know. It's always a little bit of a crap shoot in the Derby. The other horses I think are the main contenders to, to really go for the front are Messier uh, the the former Bob Baffert horse who really uh, two races back went wire to wire uh, with fast pace figs, fast time. And then last race, he would have been on the front without forbidden kingdom who dropped out and they were going pretty rapid up front. So he would be one, and the other would be early voting, who's been really quick in both of his races. Uh, the the one turn, I think it was the Gotham at Aqueduct, and then in the Wood as well. Uh, they are the two U.S.-based horses who have shown they w- can run well on the lead and done fast doing so.
1: So a couple of those you named, like you said, we're not even sure if they're going to run. Do you feel like this just – and I know we got a long way to go, okay. but your feel today, right, on – Thursday, April 21st, do you feel like this is going to be a fastly run early derby? Or do you feel as if this is going to be a derby that might find itself being a little bit more moderate or slow at this point?
7: Pretty much the derby always comes up fast. There's there's kind of a myth out there that, you know, since the point system came out, it's hurt early speed. But when you look at the times of the races and the track that they've been run over, it hasn't really been true. And a 20-horse field early position is really important to get it's a big advantage and that's why we often see even though the pace is fast horses up near the front still win because all the horses in the back are having to deal with traffic and kickback and going wide while the the speed horses aren't necessarily doing so so almost always when i sit down to make the figures on that saturday night there's going to be a couple red fractions in the early pace um there, You know, there's been one or two exceptions, but for the most part, it's always quick. It, it's just a matter of uh, if the closers are good enough and if they can get a clean run.
1: Unfortunately, I probably buried the lead for the new people that come to the game at this time of the year uh, and didn't really fully explain what it is that you do, but you do make uh, speed figures. But I've always tried to argue and, and, and I'm trying to make the point. My elevator pitch when I'm telling people about Timeform US is is that, Um, they're pace infused. So a a horse who does more dirty work on the front end early still has a chance of getting a higher speed figure than a horse that was sitting back and getting a soft trip. Is that pretty close to your elevator pitch as well?
7: Yeah, I mean, we we kind of a a two-dimensional speed figure where something like Bayer or Briss are just giving you a final time rating. We're adding the piece in there. Uh, you know, there's others, I would say, like Thoroughgraph is two-dimensional. They don't use pace, but they use ground loss, so they're doing something a little different, but the good thing about our figures is if you don't want that part, you don't have to use it because we also give you the final time figure. But I personally do think, obviously it's one of the most valuable parts of our speed figures. Uh, I bet lots of horses that wouldn't look very good on final time figures and pay nice prices because of that pace.
1: So you you kind of already led to the fact that you're not crazy about Zozos in this situation. Um, But I think as a, a figure maker who I respect, I, I would feel silly if I didn't ask you. At this point, obviously, draw and all these things matter. Who is a couple of horses or a horse who's really grabbed your attention from a time form U.S. speed figure standpoint?
7: Uh, you know, it is pretty early, tough to say. And, and there were some really tough speed figures to make uh, just, uh, I guess it was a week and a half ago on the wood and the bluegrass. Uh, The the bluegrass was run run over a track that was, you know, they had had rain all week. It was kind of changing. The wood was, that was a crazy track. So this is a year I don't have, you know, supreme confidence like I normally would in a lot of those numbers. But for right now, I'd probably be leaning towards um, Mo Donegal, who I thought ran really well, uh, Zandon and Messier. Uh, I don't want to write off Messier. He kind of gives me that Medina spirit vibe. And I'm not sure he was hundred percent cranked up and and he's run two really fast races the last two times out. Um, I'm more against the really lightly raced horses like Zozos who we're talking about, uh, him in particular, just because he's never faced the pace like he's going to face here. It's going to be quick. And those are the kind of horses I've learned over the years to try to avoid. And, you know, really, he didn't have any excuse in the Louisiana Derby, but, uh, He ran a fine race, but Epicenter dusted him in the end and he had everything his own way up front. So for me, it would be those three right now. But, you know, who knows in two weeks? I'm usually not a guy that handicaps too far ahead. I'll dig in maybe Friday night or Saturday morning and go from there.
1: I hear you. Well, Craig, I appreciate you taking the time today. And I basically thank you for every other ticket I have ever cashed.
7: (laughs) <laughs> no hardly i make the numbers you make the bets that, that's a, the bigger part of the game thanks so much all right take it easy jonathan next up a returning guest to the show i'd read his
0: resume but it would take the whole segment he is the national correspondent for the daily racing forum among the things he covers are the triple crown an eclipse award winner a hall of famer my old <laughs> colleague and my friend jay privman how are things outstanding good to
8: be with you pete
0: You are here to talk about a horse that I think in many ways is the most interesting horse like him or not like him in this year's Kentucky Derby. I've been saying his name wrong. It's Taba. When did you first become aware of this horse?
8: Uh, I've actually been aware of him since he was bought as a two-year-old because he was a very expensive purchase, but I'm very friendly with Gary Young who is the noted clocker out here and he has been buying horses for the last couple of years for Zidane Racing Stables, Amir Zidane. So when they bought this horse as a two-year-old in training for 1.7 million, I knew they were obviously extremely high on the horse, you know, paying that kind of money for him. So I've been following him along for, for quite a while through his initial training last year, and then he needed time off, and then finally getting to the races uh, in early March. Was it straightforward for him? I'm guessing not. You pay that kind of money at a two-year-old in training
0: sale. Typically, it's because this is a horse that's fast. This is a horse that's ready to win as a two-year-old. What's the story as far as uh, what happened with him last season?
8: Yeah, he went right on with his training after he came into California and had maybe eight or nine breezes uh, before they had to stop on him, and he was intended for a debut last summer at Del Mar, but... That obviously went by the wayside, and he was off the track for about, I don't know, four months or so before he went back into training. Uh, And then after that was when uh, he got into a steady work pattern anew and didn't have any hiccups leading up to his debut on the undercard of Santa Anita Handicap Day.
0: How impressed were you by that performance? It certainly came back fast on the clock.
8: The, The first
0: performance? First performance. The yeah,
8: it was pretty special. He had trained like he was going to be well-meant first time out, as, as most horses from Bafford's Barn are. I mean, they're they're trained hard prior to their debuts, uh, and they they train hard after their debuts too. But he was ready for a big race first time out. And he, the thing that impressed me the most about his race that day, Pete, is that he, he seemed to do better as – as the race went on, uh, it, it took him a while kind of to find his best stride. But then once he did the final quarter mile, uh, he lengthened out. And it looked like he was going to like more distance uh, going down the line for sure.
0: Now, I had the pleasure of uh, hanging out with Amir last year. Boy, I didn't know who he was. He didn't know who I was. We just happened to randomly be in the same area at the Derby and, and, and got to talking. And he it seems like a nice guy. So this next comment, not directed at him. But I will say this in my days as a horse player, Jay, one of the things that I love more than anything else to bet against is when the owner picks the spot (laughs) and not the trainer. Now, due to your excellent reporting in uh, DRF, we did get to see that uh, this was not the grand plan for Taba to go into a grade one in his second start. (laughs) Tell us from what you understand how exactly that all went down.
8: Well, As you know, these horses were, this horse and several others were transferred to other trainers, specifically in the case of Taba, to Tim Yakteen. And Tim Yakteen advised uh, Mr. Zidane that he thought running in the Santa Anita Derby in his second start, going a mile and an eighth against seasoned horses like Messier and Forbidden Kingdom, was not in his best long-term interest and was going to be a difficult challenge. Gary Young... Told them the exact same thing that they thought this was just too much too soon for a horse who obviously has quite a bit of quality, and uh, Amir Sadan took all that under advisement and said, "We're running." Uh, and you know, like you, I was of the opinion that the people closest to the horse probably would know better, and I was against him on Saturday, but boy, he was terrific in the Santa Anita Derby.
0: How would you characterize the effort?
8: It was fantastic. Uh, I fully expected him to make a run at Messier in Forbidden Kingdom, and obviously Forbidden Kingdom wasn't in his best, and he gave it up well before the quarter poll. But when Taba made that move at Messier on the far turn, I figured, okay, he's going to make his run, and now he's the step up in class is going to get to him, and all that he's being asked to do is going to get to him, and he'll fade here and finish a nice distance second, Good try, good effort, but, you know, Messier is just a better horse. Nope, he just kept coming. And, in fact, the final furlong was drawing away from Messier and and won his best. It was uh, a tremendous uh, accomplishment and a powerhouse performance.
0: So now we sit at a crossroads with this horse on one <laughs> hand. If we're worried that the last race was too much too soon, what are we supposed to think about the, the even sterner test in the Derby? On the other hand, and we say this sometimes on the show, when a horse run, what we say on the show is runs through a stat. A horse wins for a trainer who's 0 for 50 with first time started. When they do something that you, I don't expect them to do, sometimes I'm tempted to give them actually extra credit going forward. What do we do with Taba from here?
8: Well, I think what he did was an incredible achievement. And obviously he's going to take a lot of, money on Derby Day. Uh, He's got fire speed figures that are the equivalent of Epicenter, who's run the fastest numbers of this crop so far. But I'm going to be against him on Derby Day, Pete. I just think it's asking a lot again. And uh, granted, I was wrong in the Santa Anita Derby, thinking he was being asked too much too soon. And I'm going to basically double down on it for the Kentucky Derby. But the Santa Anita Derby, I thought, If he was going to succeed, it couldn't have played out better for him because Forbidden Kingdom didn't show up. And Teva had a pretty soft trip, a a small six-horse field where he was able to sit outside in the clear, not have to take any dirt, and then make a run at Messier. Now, granted, Messier is an accomplished horse, and to beat him on the square like he did is really an incredible achievement. That said, now we're going to go to Churchill Downs where he's going to be in a 20-horse field, he didn't really break super sharply in the Santa Anita Derby. And if he is off even a smidgen slow in the Kentucky Derby, or if he doesn't get that same sort of stalking outside trip like he did in the, in the Santa Anita Derby, I think it's going to be a much tougher challenge for him. And considering his price, he's going to be one of the top choices in the race. And that's the other big factor, I think, in, in how to approach him. I'm not going to be backing him. If he's 15 or 20 to one, that's different, but he's not going to be that.
0: Now, as you're talking, a thought occurs to me that more than most horses, I'm going to be very interested to see where Taba draws. And I'm not going to want anything to do with him in the one through, I don't know, six but if he draws outside and he sneaks up to, he won't be that 15th, but maybe eight, I don't know, maybe 10, depending on what they do. It's such a hard race to guess how they're going to bet. Uh, maybe a little bit more appealing in that scenario.
8: Maybe, but I'm just, I realize we're a ways out from the race right now, but I just can't see him floating into the double digit range at all. He's run two tremendous races with strong speed figures on any way that you look at it uh including obviously the buyer figures in daily racing form so i don't anticipate him being an overlay or or an attractive for my purposes in terms of what a fair price would be on him in this race i don't anticipate him being that
0: last uh question for you and uh, we'll we'll tiptoe into the 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 waters of, of controversy a little bit here maybe with this one but for me at this point doesn't matter. The trainer says Baffert, the trainer says Yakteen. I'm not concerned. I'm just evaluating this horse on his form. Is there, would you like him any more or less if the trainer said Baffert rather than Yakteen when it comes to Kentucky Derby Day, or if we decided this doesn't really matter?
8: For me with this horse, it doesn't really matter. I wouldn't care who's training him. I just think it's asking a lot because of going, as I was just saying, from a six horse field where he had a, I think a relatively soft trip to a 20-horse field where it's unlikely he's going to get the, the same kind of trip. Uh, you know, I, I think Tim Yachteen's kind of in a no-win situation here, uh, you know, taking over not only this horse but, but Messier because if they do well, it's like, well, they should do well, and if they don't do well, it's like, well, you know, they're not trained by Baffert anymore. It's, it's a tough spot to be in. I think he's handled everything professionally uh, to this point, and he will continue to do so because that's the kind of person that he is. Uh, but to answer your question, it it wouldn't matter to me who's training this horse. I just think based on what his price is going to be compared to what his chances I think will be, he's, uh, he's a horse that I've got to try and beat.
0: One thing's for sure. As you noted in your article on the pages of daily racing form this time, I don't think anybody's going to be trying to argue (laughs) the owner out of, out of putting him in the gate. Correct?
8: No, I think they're all in now.
0: (laughs) All right, I'm here in the Brooklyn bunker. Jay's out in California in what he calls the Delmar Dungeon. Great to speak with you, my friend.
8: Thanks, Pete, for having me on. Acacia,
1: um, Clement, I know <laughs> that's, that's wrong. We'll fix it. How are you?
6: i'm doing great um yeah i'm still getting used to it as well um but luckily i don't need to change my initials so anything that's monogrammed is good so we're uh, we're in good shape
1: <laughs> how hard was the process of changing your twitter handle harder to do that or to change your driver's license
6: um, I'm currently in the process of changing um, my all my legal items, so I'm actually going to the DMV today, so I will follow up on that, uh, that point, so it's like you have to go through social security, then the DMV, then your passport, so there's a lot, and I'm like, people do this all the time, I don't know why it's so tough, um, but uh, yeah, it, it took some getting used to, it was actually a pretty quick change on Twitter. Instagram was a little feisty about it because um, I changed my handle and then I just went to put Acacia Courtney well, as my name. And it said, you can't change your name twice in two weeks. I said, I've literally not changed my name since I created this account when I was in college. So um, it made me sit like a two week waiting period before I was able to change it on in Instagram.
1: Wow. That's uh. well, luckily I don't have to change mine. I don't. Think...
6: <laughs> yeah. Guys have it easy. Truly.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we brought you here to talk a little bit about a horse that I think you're pretty familiar with. Um, and, I, and I think it's, it's you know, being at, in Florida at Gulfstream Park throughout these kind of derby preps and even some of these maiden breakers and allowance races, you get to kind of see these horses progress. You get to see them from kind of start to finish and simplification as a horse that you have had a chance to see from start to finish. What are your overall feelings of him as, uh, as a horse?
6: Well, I think he's a really honest horse. I think that he's one that's shown up every time. And um, he's one that's overcome some adversity in his trips. He really, in in his last three races and all those big derby trips, has not had a smooth trip yet. So he's a horse that you have to like. Um, You have to like his trainer, Antonio Sano. We heard a lot about him a couple of years ago when Gunavera was on the derby trail, a horse that took them around the world. And he said he was really kind of following a similar path with simplification as he was with Gonavera they're two very very different horses but it's cool because he is a, a rather lower profile by standards of the Kentucky Derby trainer he typically claims a lot of horses has a lot of Florida breads so this is a Florida bred and to have a horse like this be a graded stakes winner for him and, and take him to places like the Kentucky Derby um, he and his family are, are such great people so it's easy to root for them but he's a quirky horse, and I, I think he has progressed, and I'm curious to see how he's going to progress still going on to the Derby.
1: Now, one of the biggest questions we talk about, and we hear it very often around this time of the year, is, is the distance. And obviously, these horses will be all going a mile and a quarter for the first time. And, and, I, and I would think that a majority of them outside of a horse like maybe Epicenter, who went the mile and three sixteenths, the question's kind of still out there. Looking at him in the flesh and and, and obviously you and, and our Maggie Wolfendale are so talented in that arena of being able to kind of look at these horses and have some ideas of what they do and don't want to do. Do you get the impression that that simplification wants to go a mile and a quarter?
6: I don't think it's his preferred distance, but I think that he could. Handle it if that makes sense. I don't think it's the the distance that we would potentially see the horse flourish. I mentioned he's a little quirky; he has the tendency to hang on his inside lead. Um, we've seen him a couple times not switch leads. Uh, he's one that gets a little bit revved up prior to his races. Those are horses that don't really take too kindly to more distance because they tend to expend a lot more energy before the race even starts. If you look at in the Florida Derby, they showed a walkover shot of him coming over and he looks like he was ready to jump out of his skin he's saddled away from everybody else accompanied by the pony and for going a mile and a quarter going a mile and an eighth in the Florida Derby was a little bit of a concern with him given how much energy he was expending um, you want a horse that's going to be efficient in everything that they do to conserve so that's a little bit of the concern physically and on pedigree you would say he probably would be able to handle it but again I just don't know if that's really the space that he would
1: Now, did that behavior, was that kind of unique to the Florida Derby, or is that something you had seen from him prior, kind of getting a little bit hyped up prior to the race?
6: No, that's typical of him. Um, That's something I've seen from him every race, and I know it's something that they've worked on quite a bit, and um, actually Gunavera was a little bit that way as well, but Gunavera was a decided deep closer in that he would always lag at the back and then come late, so he actually had a lot of time in the race to conserve his energy, whereas simplification, they kind of accidentally found out that he could come from off the pace, but he also has a lot of natural speed. And I think that we saw him break slowly because he was distracted, um, because he was really not focused in the gate. He was not really settled. Whereas prior, we've seen him jump off and go and use that speed to his advantage. So I think he's one that can be in the game a little bit more. But again, that conservation of energy, especially when you think about the Kentucky Derby, the giant crowds, the walkover scene, everything that he's going to have to overcome. It's a lot for a young horse mentally.
1: So I always upgrade horses I, it, when it comes to the derby that can be tactical, they can be close. We know that race is often won by horses that are leading or close in the first three uh, at the eighth pole when they turn for home. Ultimately, as someone who's got to see this horse, do you think Simplification has a chance to win the derby? And where do you kind of find him falling? Do you think he's kind of a used type, a win contender, or mm-hmm. unfortunately you'll have to be rooting for someone else?
6: Uh, well, I would love to see him do well. Uh, just as far as comparing horses – to be quite frank, coming out of the Florida Derby with some of the other ones that I've seen, I think the only one of the top three in the Florida Derby I would really want going forward um, would be Charge It because I think that he kind of just has more blue sky. He's really lightly raced. Simplification, I think, is a talented runner. And I think a lot of people dismissed a horse like Gunavera who (laughs) hit the top three, top four in some huge races. And that very well could be the case for simplification. But I just kind of feel that he's still developing And there are some other horses um, like Epicenter, like Zandon, even Mo Donegal, who, yes, finished behind Simplification, but was inhibited by the confirmation of the racetrack that day. I think those are horses that are are really trending in the right direction, and Simplification would need to take a little bit of a jump forward to catch those.
9: Well,
1: anyone who has an ice cream stand truck at their wedding (laughs) is is upgraded on my friend list. I appreciate you taking the time. AC, I'm just going to go with AC. Yeah, I've perfect. been doing that. I think I'm going to stay safe in that arena.
6: <laughs> we could do that. We'll just go by our initials exclusively from here on out, you and I.
1: Thanks so much. I'll see you soon.
6: Thanks.
0: Coming on the show now, gosh, is it for the first time? If so, I'm just going to call that a host fail right now by me for not having had him earlier. You know him from his work on the Churchill Downs simul- simulcast feed, also the Fairgrounds simulcast feed. That's why I thought of him for this assignment. To talk about Pioneer of Medina, here is
10: Joe Christofek. Joe, how are things? All well, Pete, as you well know, a busy time of year. Going to get even busier next week and as we get closer to Derby. But this is why we do what we do. So uh, enjoying every minute of it. So Pioneer of Medina
0: right now would be the first also eligible. But there's a lot of talk about early voting, perhaps passing the race to go to the Preakness instead A lot of other things can happen between now and then. It feels kind of likely, at least, you know, 50-50-ish, that this horse is going to get into the race. If he does, does he have a chance?
10: I mean, he's got to turn tables on four good horses that already beat him. I don't see how that's necessarily possible. You know, you're talking about four of the better horses uh, in the Derby this year, Epicenter, uh, Smile Happy, Zozos, um, and Zandon. So how does he turn tables on those horses? I mean, he's paired threes in his last couple of races on the thorough graphs. He's got natural speed from the gate. There's other speed in the race. He does have the advantage, uh, though, Pete, of going a mile in sixteenths at fairgrounds. And he is progressive, and he is trained by Todd Pletcher. But I just don't envision, because you try to envision scenarios as to how horses can win. There are other horses with his running style that I just think are better than him. This is a horse who took a little bit
0: of time to get off the mark. Certainly, progressed slowly before making the jump up into the stakes ranks at Fairgrounds this winter. What did you see in him when you had a chance to to, to see him in the flesh? You talk about him being progressive. How did that uh, How did that progression sort of express itself to you down there?
10: Well, I talked to Todd Pletcher uh, before this horse ran on Lacompte Day and asked him, because he always brings horses for the undercard on the day. And I asked him, do you have a horse for the Risen Star? And he said, well, I'm really hoping Pioneer Medina can be that horse. He wound up being that horse. He outperformed his odds, finished fourth behind Epicenter that day. Uh, probably the strongest prep of the year, right? I mean, depth-wise with Epicenter smile-happy Zandon, no disgrace in him finishing fourth in his first graded stakes try. And then he pretty much duplicated that effort by running third to epicenter and Zozos in the Louisiana Derby. You know, does he have another major step forward in him? I'm not so sure at this point of his career, but what I saw I liked, like I said earlier, though, you just like what you saw from a few others better.
0: Yeah, I mean, he just seemed to be beaten on the square, especially in the Louisiana Derby. And the Risen Star, I, if you wanted to conjure an excuse, you could say, oh, maybe he was lit up with the bump at the at the start, and that's why he got tired later out kicked. But it really seemed like he had a perfect trip for me in the in the Louisiana Derby. And then you've got those other horses that he's gonna have to find a way to turn the tables with. On the plus side, you get a progressive horse uh, in the right hand at what's sure to be an absolutely huge price. What
10: price do you think this horse is gonna be on the day? I know. mean, he's gotta probably be at least 30. 30- so one, horses always seem to be lower prices than they think than you think they should be on Derby Day. But the only scenario I can envision him hanging around for a piece of it, you know, you've got uh, the Dubai horse, um, the, the the summer horse, why is his name? Summer of Yeah, summer, yeah, you got him. I think, if you know, right now it looks like he's going to show up. I think he's going to go to the lead. You've got Messier, you've got Zozos, you've got Epicenter, I don't know what Morello's status is, but these are all horses that want to go forward. The only way I can envision Pioneer and Medina getting a piece of the, of the pie, superfecta kind of horse, is if the pace somehow winds up being reasonably slow up front, and he's part of that. And some of the other closers, you know, like Zozos, uh, excuse me, like, uh, like Zandon, and, uh, you know, the other Pletcher horse. Mo oh, Get in trouble. Yep. And this horse just hangs around for a piece of it. Not impossible. I'll be using him on my super effective tickets, but I, I certainly won't have him on top.
0: One last question of the horses who have beaten pioneer of Medina. Who do you like best? Who do you like out of that group? And would that be your, I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire for a final selection, but who are you leaning towards as your derby pick right now?
10: Yeah, man. I mean, I just think epicenter and Zandon. I mean, I don't think epicenter with Rosario aboard is going to be as close to the pace as a lot of other people might think. I think he might be sitting as far back as fifth in this race, but I also think going a mile and 316th in his natural progression and then Zandon's turn of foot in the bluegrass was just something to behold. That being said, he's got to try to work out a trip, you know, in a 20-horse field with a horse that, you know, has had a bad habit of breaking a little bit slowly from the gate. I want a horse that's forwardly placed. That seemed to be the winning formula in the Derby for the last several years since the point system came into
0: play. All right, Joe, thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon. All right, you got it. Thanks, Pete. So the gimmick of these shows typically is we get a different guest for each horse, which we basically have stuck to this year. But then this year we did something different where we didn't double up at all for the Derby and the Oaks. But then in the end, we decided we're going to double up for the Derby and the Oaks because you simply can't get enough of TV's Matt Bernier. Matt Howard
11: thinks. I feel guilty if I'm the only one doing two. I mean, there are far better options to have do double duty than
0: me. Well, I'll tell you what, we make up for it by giving you a tricky assignment because the horse we're going to talk about in this segment, early voting may or may not actually be running in the race. Do you have any insight? Do you have an opinion about whether they should try the Derby or maybe wait for a spot like the Preakness?
11: I I think they should wait for the Preakness uh, for for a few different reasons. If he were to go in the Kentucky Derby, I don't think the race shape is necessarily ideal for him. There is other speed in the race. Not that this field is loaded with early foot, but I think there's other early speed in here. And I keep going back to, and it, it was something I thought about right after the wood. If he couldn't beat Mo Donegal, given those circumstances at Aqueduct, how is he going to do it at a distance that's probably going to be better suited for Mo Donegal at a mile and a quarter at Churchill Downs the first Saturday in May? I don't know that I like that sort of recipe. But if you think about it from a Preakness standpoint, if you catch any of the Derby horses on a two-week turnaround, slightly shorter distance at a mile and three-sixteenths, Pace scenario could be murky at best. Perhaps he is out there by himself on the front. And we've seen Chad and Klarovich do this thing in the past with cloud computing. Sit out the Derby, go on and win the Preakness. So I personally, I would totally again, it's easy for me to say I don't have the horse, but I would I would bypass the Derby and I'd run in the Preakness.
0: If he goes in the Derby, and I think you've tipped your hand as the answer to this question. Are you uh, presumably that means you don't think he would be able to make the frame maybe due to the pace scenario you suggested in the wood early voting was able to make the lead a bit easier than I would have guessed, I guess, you know, Morello not breaking certainly helped with that. It's not like he quit or laid down. But I mean, I think it's a good point that you make about, you know, Mo Donegal had the tougher trip and Mo Donegal, you know, handled him pretty solidly in the end.
11: Yeah. And, and, and no, it's not at all a knock against early voting because you're right. He kicked on. It's not as though he came to a crawl. He got run down by a horse that I think is going to relish every bit of added ground. And not that he won't down the road. He's still very lightly race. Keep in mind, he's only run three times, uh, but I just, I don't know. I mean, I thought the pace scenario, all things considered was ideal for early voting in the wood and he couldn't hold off Mo Donegal. And look, Mo Donegal got an all-time ride from rosario scraping paint and shooting you know in out whatever but um i just i don't know at an at a longer distance with some other legitimately early horses i don't know that i i love the setup for early voting in the derby again the reason i'm more inclined to think the preakness is because even if you got some of those early types from the derby that showed up two weeks later they're probably gonna have a little bit of the starch taken out of them at that point and this horse is going to be fresh ready to go and again i mean i know it's only a 16th of a mile but Mile and three I think, is a great difference than a mile and a quarter. And especially for a horse like this. I think you make excellent
0: points we're going to be talking all about the derby pace scenario in another video so folks can look for that there you're obviously on the oak show as well and of course uh, you've been crushing it over on the map bernier shows so we encourage folks to take advantage of looking there you can uh, subscribe to the in the money media youtube channel you can subscribe to the map bernier show and the in the money media feed on itunes as well matt i'll see you in the other link uh, to do the other video in a minute you got it. Very pleased to be joined on the show now by a returning guest and a guest to whom I owe a big thank you because the last time he was on these airwaves, he convinced me to use his horse, White Abario, in the Florida Derby. That worked out well. Safi Joseph Jr. Howard, thanks, my friend.
12: Everything's good, and thanks for having me on.
0: Congrats on the Gulfstream uh, title. We we didn't want to say it when you were on the show the last time. We didn't want to jinx you or anything, but that had to mean something to you.
12: Oh, yeah, most definitely, I mean, to, to win the title uh, after Todd won it for uh, 18 years in a row. You know, He's <laughs> someone I looked up to. It was, uh, it was a great achievement for the whole team. Everyone's very thankful to it was a, um, a team to
0: Let's talk about uh, arguably an even bigger goal, the, the, your attempt to win the Kentucky Derby with White Abarrio. You mentioned to us that before the two starts back, he'd missed training. You mentioned even before the Florida Derby that he'd missed a day of training, though you didn't sound too worried about it. How much more can this horse improve if things go smoothly between now and the first Saturday in May?
12: I think mean, there's there's improvement to come. I mean, he's going to have to improve, obviously, to win a race at the Derby. But I think it's definitely there, the way we've kind of campaigned him. We kind of set it um, with a three race um, for the Derby to be his third race you would hope that would be his best race. And um, so far, it's gone to plan, and we hope that he can make that another jump. If he could improve another two to three lengths, which we think is very possible, he's going to be very tough in the Derby.
0: Have things gone smoothly since the Florida Derby? How did he come out of that race?
12: Yeah, he came out of the race well, and he had his first work back on Sunday, and that went to plan. Um, Worked probably as good as he's ever worked in his life. Um, Effortless and job. So we we, we started back with a three-year work, It was like 38 and one. I mean, sorry, 34 and one. And then we wanted a little extended gallop on. He galloped up 47, changed, oh, in a minute, like a minute and three. So, and and the way he did it visually, well in hand and just flicking his ears back and forth like a horse wanted to do more. So, we're very happy where we're at so far. We've got just under three weeks to go now, and it's a long time in horse racing terms. But so (laughs) far, so good
0: you are no stranger to classic success if we're talking about uh barbados how much would it mean to you though to be able to to get a win on the usa's biggest racing stage
12: oh i mean it'll be i mean it would be hard to put into words basically um i left barbados with a dream to win it every one day um to be in a position to have a chance it's very thankful to be in this position uh, it, w- it would mean um, things I can't even put into words to be honest
0: <laughs> I want to talk about white Abario's pedigree for a little bit you know we see into mischief on the bottom side with with you know we've seen those horses be able to extend to 10 furlongs race day on the top by tappet tappet doesn't actually have a derby winner but you know all those Belmonts and just a horse that you you would think the mile and a quarter would be okay. How does he look to you physically in terms of how far he wants to go, Barrio? Yeah,
12: you, I mean, I tell you, do things with any horse, whether it be two turns or grass or dirt, any any of those things. I tell you, really do it. You never know for sure, but ideally, the way he runs and how he relaxes so nice, you would think the mile and a quarter is well within his reach. Um, he's got speed, but he's got controllable speed, and that's very important when you want to get a horse to get a distance. He can rate very kindly, and he's going to be in a forward position once he gets away from there. Well. And that's kind of what you want from the derby
0: what do you expect in terms of the pace how far back do you think he'll be he's shown himself to be very very versatile he's led gate to wire he sat right off paces he stalked and uh, came even from a little bit farther back starting off fifth in the Florida Derby where do you want him to be
12: ideally what you want him to be in the, in, the, in the first flight I mean I think he's pace adjustable so if they're going faster he could sit three or four of it, four of it and And if they're going slow, he could he could be on the leader right next to the lead. So he's very um, he's he's a very horse. He puts himself in a good spot. People said he's he's got good trips, but the reason he gets good trips is that he's he's able to go fast if he needs to, and 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 still have enough to to keep going at the end. That
0: reminds me, Safi, of a of something a, a horse player once told me about about horses and trips. He said. You get a lot better trips in a Ferrari than you do in a Yugo. <laughs> the horse, the horse can make their trip, and and that's the thing about a push-button runner like White Abarrio. So that that that's got to give you a little bit more confidence uh, as we head into the big day.
12: No, most definitely. I mean, I, I agree 100%. When you have the gears and the, and the and the speed to put yourself in a position, it it's very um it's much easier to do than when you lack speed.
0: Safi, thank you so much for taking time out of a busy day at the sale and chatting with us. Godspeed. We'll see you over there in Louisville.
1: Thank you very much. Take care. For all things Oaklawn Park, I go to my man, Clay Sanders. Clay, how are you? I'm great, JK. How are you doing, my man? I'm good. I'm good. I miss you. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. I feel like we were on a a path of seeing each other like every two to three months. And uh, these last couple of years, it feels like every time I see you, it's like it's been a year.
13: Yeah, it has. And, you know, we were supposed to meet up at Keeneland uh, a couple of weekends ago and having a wife that's very into racing and a five-year-old at the racetrack is very challenging. You know, with Austin, it's uh, hard to get around. <laughs> it's hard to move. It's hard to move. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a, a horse that that uh, won
1: the Rebel, obviously, at, at Oakland Park and and didn't have such a good trip in the Arkansas Derby to see what you thought about. But what do you think about Un as an individual, do you, do you
13: think he's the type of horse that could pick up some pieces in the Derby, or do you think he's probably a cut below? I think he's a cut below. I mean, there's obviously, you know, this is a horse that had an awful trip in the uh, Arkansas Derby. I think you really can put a line through that race. Uh, if you go back and watch at the top of the, almost on the turn, he got put into the rail. But I think these Arkansas Derby horses, to be perfectly blunt, I wouldn't use any of them on top. Uh, if you look at the buyer, they adjusted it up to 92, but anybody that knows Randy Moss, he really doesn't like to move his numbers. I think there was probably some internal pressure there, but the winner of the race gets an 83, uh, unadjusted to me. That means the whole group is slow. And as you know, there's, uh, what Mike Maloney says, there's no trips in uh, slow races. I wouldn't use any of them
1: now. Uh, that, so that's interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm, I kind of agree. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, of any of the, of the horses exiting that race. But I will say this from a, from a betting standpoint, we've seen it before. We've seen this, this kind of uh, these, the, the public fall in love with certain storylines. Uh, we saw it with Calvin uh, after he had won three derbies. kind of that fourth time he showed up, they overbet his horse was a horse, I can't remember the horse's name, but, um, and we saw it with, you know, with, with pants on fire and Rosie, you get the female rider, you get the funny name and pants on fire um do you we saw it with patch patch obviously a horse that was missing one eye do you think we'll see that with unoho uh, being over bet in the derby i kind of
13: think we won't and i think there's a couple differences here between him and patch i think patch was a a little bit more talented horse he was trained by todd pletcher easy to get behind a horse trained by todd pletcher he's had so much success and i just don't think this story has resonated the name is hard to say when you ask people on derby day who they're wanting to bet I don't think it's going to come. And I just don't think the story's been as well uh, told. I mean, maybe I'm going to be totally wrong and NBC spends an hour talking about this one eyed horse. But I just think he's a little bit more under the radar and uh, I don't think he's going to get bet. What I will say he has. I mean, I'm not going to talk anybody. I think he's going to be a huge price. You know, if he's 80 to one, I'm not going to talk anybody off using him underneath. I think Barber Road out of the Arkansas Derby is going to be the one that's kind of the buzzy under horse that people are going to be king. They're going to be three to four X difference in price. I think they're similar horses. I mean, I mean, Unoho could have been run second if he didn't get sawed off uh, in the Arkansas Derby and he finished ahead of Barber Road in the, in the rebel. So if I'm choosing between the two, I'm going to take the one with a higher price that, uh, you know, has probably an equal shot of hitting the board.
1: Yeah. And, and obviously the Derby and the Oaks kind of bring out some new, fans to, to watch these videos and to want to learn who to bet in the races. I will say this. It, it was a, it was an accident when he was a, about a one year old horse when they're out on the farm, carrying on running into fences, doing all kinds of things is how he lost his left eye. And I will, and I don't think it's going to make too much of an impact uh, on him as on, you know, does it affect him as his running style? I do think that I would think that they like to be inside because they can't see to the left. And being able to see the horses to their right might be a little bit easier than passing on the on the
13: outside where they can't see what's well, inside of them. I um, think you're, I think you're spot on, J.K. If you go back and watch all his replays, he's always glued to the rail. Which I mean, I think that's why he's actually done pretty well. He's good, he doesn't have to run as good a you know thorough graph rag number because he's glued to that rail. And if you think about in the Derby. Being glued to the rail, everyone's trying to avoid it. Maybe he gets, you know, a run up and gets a kind of clean trip up on the inside to, you know, run fourth or fifth. I could see that happening, and I think you're right about the the trip possibilities. So
1: you've heard it from the Prince of Oaklawn Park. We're tossing all the Arkansas Derby horses.
13: Yes. Good luck. All right. See you guys. Thanks. See you. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. No sweat. Be well. I'll see you soon. You playing this weekend? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Are you on awesome. TV? Back on TV? Off the break? No. Friday,
1: right, tomorrow I am, and then Saturday and Sunday, I, like uh, I'm going to a wedding, sh- like a, a a shower in Connecticut. Okay. And then I'm back on full time next weekend.
13: Yeah. Is this uh
1: the uh, G's side of the friends? G's side. Or yeah, friends? yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of yeah, I'm gonna. Some, like, gonna check out her hometown. I've never been. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, check out all their like old restaurants and like all this other. It'll be fun. Awesome.
13: Well, that will be great.
0: All right, man. I'll see you. All
1: right. Take All right a,
0: Later. Bye. Next up, very happy to welcome in a man who hosts what is probably the most popular horse racing podcast in the world. If we're uh, looking at numbers, he we have the pleasure of distributing it here in the USA over in the But you know him from a lot of other places, too, including the NBC coverage of the Kentucky Derby. Nick Luck. Welcome to the show.
14: Hey, Pete. Great to be with you.
0: We have you here to talk about one of, for what many people will be considered more or less of a mystery horse in Crown Pride, winner of the UAE Derby. Is this horse a serious contender for the Kentucky Derby?
14: I think he's a serious-ish contender for the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) He's the fourth Japanese trained horse to run in the race. And I went back and to give me a little context, looked at all the other Kentucky Derbies that have been contested by Japanese horses. Ski Captain, 14th in 1995. Actually not beaten that far in Thunder Gulch's race. Only seven or eight lengths, but was right out the back of the TV, you know, turning for home and and has run on, plodded on. Lani, the slowest horse, the slowest grade one horse ever. I mean, (laughs) bless him. 2016, he finished ninth. He wasn't beaten that far, but he was... A furlong behind halfway down the back. And you, you, you're getting the pattern here. Master Fencer, 2019, he gets three places closer. He finishes sixth. And he's you know, run with quite a bit of credit in the slop in the infamous maximum security country house year and has somehow managed to finish off a race. Now, given that we all know and much of the narrative in this podcast is going to be that you know, horses don't come from off the pace in Kentucky Derbies anymore, That was a serious effort from Master Fencer. I think Crown Pride is more credentialed than that horse was, and I think he's more credentialed than Lani was. He's won a UAE derby uh, not simply by being uh, a horse picking up the pieces off off an electric early gallop, but being attendant to what was a borderline suicidal early pace. And although he's not beaten a tremendously talented field, he's beaten a lot of horses. He's beaten 15 horses going too fast, so we know he's tough enough and he's hard enough. And he's probably had a be- better preparation than his three previous uh, compatriots. In a year that we think is opaque, in a year that we're, we're not quite sure who the absolute standout is in the race, and given Japan's extraordinary success on the international stage since the Breeders' Cup, two wins at Breeders' Cup, four wins in Saudi Arabia, five wins on Dubai World Cup night, surely this horse with Christophe Lemaire aboard is at least worthy of some respect.
0: It is a different animal, I have to say, the success the Japanese have had around the world than a race like the Kentucky Derby. And for me, what it comes down to is the way they train and the way they train horses earlier in their career. You mentioned the previous runners and how far back they were. That's not an accident. I mean, they, they run far. They're trained for real stamina. The Kentucky Derby, we see just from the bloodlines that have won the race, over the last 10 years, it's much more speed horses that they just get to stretch out as opposed to true stamina pedigree. So I would be pretty surprised to see this horse be able to crack the top two, but reading between the lines of what you're saying, if we get a pace in here, which I don't think is impossible. And the more we promote the narrative of it's always speed horses, the more maybe we can help uh, (laughs) jockeys and their agents think about um, setting more of a fast pace feels like a horse that definitely should not be ruled out for third and fourth. And I think that's the way I'm going to play it. What do you think of that approach?
14: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think he's a horse who could, who could finish exactly there. Third or fourth. I don't, he's not, he's not a sort of, I don't think he's going to be closing from the deep, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's quick enough to lead or be, you know, put in the first three early on, but I do think he could sit closer than any of those horses did in the past from Japan and you could look at his profile the first two runs he, he had in in his homeland he was right up there on the pace he was almost a bit too keen he travelled very well in his in his next start but he was squeezed at the, at the at the at the start and therefore never really had a chance after that he was always on the back foot it was on an off track as well so that would be a bit of a worry if it was an off track and then last time in the in the UAE derby he, tra- he travelled well he moved well through the race a couple of interesting things. There's a big positive jockey upswitch. Christophe Lemaire takes over from Damien Lane. I think that's a, a big positive. He had to go wide in the UAE Derby, although the overall time was slow and he didn't post anything flash in terms of the sectionals. Uh, you know, as I say, he's a horse who attended a, a very sharp early gallop and his jockey didn't get him to change leads down the lane. So if Lemaire can ride him, you know, with all his international gull and experience, get him to change leads and finish off, then I think he's a horse who could, who could run quite a big race.
0: The time figure from the UAE Derby, one of the most interesting puzzles. It should be in, in a book to study for figure makers, as far as I'm concerned, but because it's such a hard place to make figures with the way the atmospheric conditions change from the beginning of that card to the end of that card. In another interview, we had Michael Adolphson talking about how the bias seemed to change on the night going from Uh, going from a rail that seemed excellent to a rail that seemed like maybe it wasn't the place to be. And you can just see looking at the times, the horses ran, they don't, they don't make a whole lot of sense. The various digging I've done, if you made me guess a time figure that crown pride ran in the UAE Derby, I'd say it was probably around a 92 buyer. I mean, there's a lot of guesswork in that it's not wildly off what one would need. And then, of course, you have the the other question. Originally, I was thinking, okay, if it was a good rail Dubai, maybe you do want to upgrade him for being wide on both turns. But as the track was apparently changing through the course of the night, I don't know if that's healthy or not. But does that hypothesis sound about right on the buyer scale, that that was maybe a low 90s effort?
14: I don't think the form's brilliant. As I say, there were a lot of horses in the race. He's beaten 15 rivals. It was an unusually big field and as i say i don't think anything's really gone right for him he didn't really get uh, a draft into the race he he was very wide uh, he sort of had to make his move into a into a quickening tempo and then the pace started to collapse around him and he was yeah i i think i think a lot went um suboptimally for him in the uae derby yet he he managed to win the race and do it quite comfortably so as i say i i think i think he's a horse with enough conditioning now to be worthy of some some respect. And it, you just feel that every time now Japanese horses go abroad, they're just knowing that a little bit more. It's not an accident they've gone 14th, 9th, 6th in this race. Oh, yes. uh, that's the most unscientific reason for why this horse should run well. But you know, yeah. back it up with what they did in the Breeders' Cup, Marshall Lorraine was completely unfancied by everybody in Japan, let alone anyone in America. <laughs> and then in, in, in Saudi Arabia and then in Dubai, and the breadth of trainers and owners and breeders represented by those horses as well it's not as though it's just one it's not like wesley ward asker or charlie appleby at the breeders cup or whatever it's it's a huge huge breadth of, of, of trainers because you know no one barn can have more than a certain amount of horses in japan so the the strength they've got and the depth that they've got and the, the breadth of talent across a, a an enormous spread of people is pretty striking now and i think They should be any any horse coming out of Japan in any big race around the world now has to strike fear into the hearts of any any of the locals.
0: It's a fair point. Last question. What price do you think this horse will be on the day? Is there any chance the Japanese narrative takes over and in a open looking year, this horse becomes fancied and bet down? Or are we looking at a 30, 40 to one shot?
14: Don't you think that don't you think that U.S. horse players, particularly in this race of all races? Are still are still amongst the most parochial in this regard.
0: It makes sense. It definitely makes sense, especially because a lot of people betting on this race don't know what happened at the Breeders' Cup, let alone in Saudi or Dubai.
14: And it's not the Breeders' Cup either, right? You know, and and also there, there there's still something of a delayed delayed reaction, isn't there? It takes people a while to cotton on. I mean, people are still betting Aiden O'Brien horses at the Breeders' Cup thinking that it's 2001 or whatever, <laughs> or 2002, even though statistically now his chances of training winners are there. I mean, he. anyway, we won't go into all that, but you know what I mean. So I, I still think this horse will be a big prize. It's going to be fascinating to see how he gets on. Look, he He'd be 30 to 1, won't he? 30, you think? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think a little less than that. I think I think if you made me guess, I think there's going to be it, it, d- depending on it. Also, just depends on what narratives go mainstream. But I, I could see. I, I, I'm going to take the under on 30, but I but I but I would take the over on 20. So you know, we're not far off. I'm percentage not.
14: Far. I'm not a million miles away.
0: Yeah. No. No. We're, I mean, percentage wise, there's not much. You know, there's a one percent difference between uh, 25 and and, and 30. But I look forward to seeing you out there, my friend. We'll see how this one plays out, and uh,
14: have an easy trip over. Thanks a lot, Pete. Can't wait. Look forward to it as always.
0: Next up on the show, very happy to welcome back another one of our very popular guests, whose work you are doubtless familiar with from uh, ESPN and other places.
5: Chris Felica, what's going on, man? No, not much. Just uh, gearing up for what uh, what's a fun been a fun couple of couple of weeks with the uh, with the draft and then the Kentucky Derby. So. Uh, right after the uh, the Masters and then tournament, spring spring is here and we are uh, we are happier for it. Have you ever had a bet on the uh, on the NFL draft? Yes, I have.
0: Is is yeah, it yeah, yeah. are they interesting markets?
5: No, they're 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 very interesting markets because um, it's it's a difficult market for people to price because you're really basing it on the same type of information that everyone else has access to. It's based on what. Daniel Jeremiah, Todd McShay, Null Kuiper—all all of those uh, mock drafts. So uh, it, it, it's a market that a lot of books are not overly thrilled at, at booking uh, because the the edge that they have is minimal, if not non-existent. But uh, yeah, if you can, if if you find a mock that you trust, or if you have uh, information from just a, a contact that you might have, or uh, you, it's, a, it's a market that you certainly can, uh, can come out ahead on. It, it, it's been a great conversation that uh, the, the VEASAN types have had, especially uh, Gil Alexander and, and Chris Andrews about booking it. Chris hates to book it. He's like, he always jokes with Gil about, oh, yeah, we, have to, we have to pay for your, uh, your, your your spring home in the Mediterranean is a joke. But but like, like Chris knows that it's a very difficult market for them to have. And, and Gil's point is, why don't you just you book, you book it as a market that maybe you know you're going to lose but at the same time you're bringing in people to place action and have other action where
0: they're yeah, probably a yeah that makes sense i can't resist the football question with you here but of course we're here to talk about horse racing specifically smile happy now this, mm-hmm. this is a horse that. I think is a little bit interesting. Um, I like the, the the handiness he showed last time. I can't tell you exactly why he's supposed to beat Zandon, who beat him on the square with the tougher trip last time. But, you know, at a big enough price, I'd, I'd get involved. You sounded a little bit less interested than I did when we talked about him off air. Give
5: me your yeah. Own- uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, he's got positives and he has negatives. He, the positives obviously are... He was had a great two-year-old campaign. He was well bet in both both instances. He he, he won a, a grade two over this track uh, easily over Classic Causeway, who's gone on to have done some nice things as three-year-old and, and White Averio as well, uh, who, who has a who has a very nice three-year-old campaign as well. So, like if, if you just were handicapping it on the two-year-old uh, <clears throat> form, you, you'd be you'd be pretty happy with that. I mean, one of the things that I like looking for. Uh, and a Kentucky Derby horse is a horse that maybe they haven't won over the Churchill Downs surface, but maybe they have run over the Churchill Downs surface and maybe they've run really well. So he has that. But at the same time, I'm going to I'll forgive him for the uh, the Risen Star, the first start, awful layoff. There really wasn't a uh, a big pace there and a percentage just just I sounded like I was going to say epipen. I, I don't know why I had that on my mind, but that was <laughs> a really bad New York type accent coming in there. But uh, he, he was favored in both races, and you can't really forgive him. Can't really blame him for getting beat by Epicenter there. But I, I was a little concerned with the race the, in, in the Bluegrass. Like he was the way Zandon went by him. You would have to assume that Zandon and, and a couple of others maybe in there are just better than him so i'm not going to fault anybody that likes smile happy or wants to use him maybe second or third or fourth in the uh, in the exotics and the supers and tries because he'll, he'll probably be a, a fairly decent price in this race and i think the way that he will be ridden it from off the pace is he can pick up uh, a couple of pieces late i, I don't think he can win uh, i wouldn't use him to win but but i do think the running style suggests that he could um, if he gets a better timed run than uh, a freak like Zandon going by him, he, he could get a piece of the uh, the exacts.
0: I did like the fact that he was much handier running uh, a bit, certainly uh, significantly faster pace figures last time while still maintaining that final time. So I guess you could conjure a, a case that he's ready to, to move forward off that effort. But I am a little worried. I think you made one of the key points about him, which is, doesn't really feel like he's necessarily developed that much from the two-year-old form that we saw. So I guess that's one of the decisions we have to make. I I guess the other thing I think is a little interesting is maybe maybe he gets lost in the betting, but I say that, but then you know, Mattress Mac in the news and who knows, who knows what narratives are going to take hold Derby weekend, what it's going to do to the prices. I mean, I'll never get over the betting on my boy Jack, as long as I live, it's <laughs> not always easy to predict what narratives, where they're going to come from and then what effect that's going to have on the toe.
5: No, you, you, you brought up a great point about, about Mattress Mac, Mattress Mac and the uh, being, but being said by everyone happy. Like that is a a major thing. Who, who, who's to know you and I right now talking is he gonna come in and drop a whatever million dollar bet on, <laughs> on his horse to win, or um, is someone gonna? Is he going to be the? Who will be the trendy horse? Uh, just bet on name recognition, like my boy Jack, because like like you said, this is a this is not a. I don't want to say sharp betting market. This is a very public touristy Derby weekend casual better. You've got husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends and, and people betting on races that normally don't. And they're going to bet on a horse because of a name or a silk color or a post position number. So You never know where money might come in to affect the market. Like a couple of years ago, Country House never should have been the price that he was uh, on the board. And I was fortunate and he got put up by, by a DQ. But, but there were horses in that race that had no chance of winning like zero based on form <laughs> that were shorter uh, than, than country house. See, A lot of times the, the best thing to do, and, and that's what I will do actually on, on Derby day. When I, when I handicap, I'll have my opinion going into the day uh, when I handicap the card and then I'll look at the board again and, and be like, okay, who are the overlays here? What, who, what, what am I missing something? Uh, is the public missing something? Why is this horse getting bet? I don't like him. Am I missing something here? Because a lot of times that's where you'll be able to get, maybe for lack of a better word, a saver bet. And that might actually be the one that actually winds up coming in. We've talked about that before, that you believe just as there are public
0: teams in in football, you know, public horses, nowhere is, and, and public connections, nowhere is that more correct than the Kentucky Derby. And then you're right. You add in this even more touristy, straight out of the old days element with the Kentucky Derby. I mean, there's, I've heard people say like back in the day at Belmont, when there'd be 30,000 people on Belmont on a Wednesday, any horse with the Irish in the name, you know, you could pretty much count mm-hmm. on being, being an underlay. We don't see that too much anymore. We do see it on Derby day. And, and then, and some of it is more, some of it's harder to identify than that because it's just what story takes hold and then gets, gets, pushed out in national media or just totally goes viral on social and can control and, and can control a narrative. So we'll see. And yeah, I mean, and just to clarify, I realized what I said, maybe made it sound like um, Mattress Mac owned the horse. He owns the sire as you out, right. Run happy. And I, I could still see him in some sort of bold bid to promote his, uh, his, his horse promote, and promote his brand. No, yep. he, he <laughs> never does that. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily have to own the beast to get involved as he's, as he's shown us with the Astros. But uh, so you also mentioned something I thought was interesting about you use a bit of a process of elimination for handicapping in general, and particularly a race like the Derby. What has that process of elimination led you to at this early stage, not holding your feet to the fire for a final answer, but uh, who are you zeroing in on that you have a bit more interest?
5: Yeah. The the, the way I'm going to, the way I'm kind of attacking this, this race right now is I don't necessarily have a derby horse per se in terms of winning I I think the things the the questions I'm still asking myself are how are the Baffert runners going to be handled and handicapped and treated are they going to be handled as still Bob Baffert trained horses or are they going to be handled and handicapped as Tim Yachteen horses I think that is a major question in the race uh, I think there's been almost so much talk about about Taiba about that is him being be his third race. Like, he, how can he's an absolute bet against? How can you play this horse in a twenty horse field all, all, off of two lifetime starts? Like, is it going to reach a point where, like I was talking about checking the board about forty five minutes before the race, where maybe he is an overlay because it's almost too contrarian. To, to just bet against him and maybe there is some value w- w- with him. So the the one thing that I think I have settled on right now, and I've, I've mentioned Zandon's name, you know, I don't know if he will win, but I feel pretty good about him running his race and finishing in the money. So I think right now how I plan on betting the race is kind of using Zandon as like a key in like tries and, exa- and exactives and triples and, and put him in a spot where, where if he hits the board, I'm going to be in a pretty good spot. Uh, with, with a lot of coverage on top to um, ultimately win the race, to ultimately win my wager. I think Cyberknife is a horse that uh, is, is going to get a little bit of a, a wise guy type play. And and look, he, there were a lot of eyebrows raised off of his uh, his race in, in, in Arkansas. But at the same time, you kind of go back through his past performances and you can kind of like say, okay, that it, it was a natural progress. Like throwing him in the stakes race off of a maiden win, that's not necessarily a spot where you're going to have success. And then they put him in an optional and, and got his confidence back, and, and then he ran unbelievable um, in, in the Arkansas Derby. And now, uh, blowing away Barbara, uh, Barbara Road and, and beating There's some nice horses in there. But but I think again, is there going to be a narrative? You about we mentioned Bob Bob Afford before. Like, is there going to be a Brad Cox narrative about? Okay, he should have gotten. He should have been the winner last year he got robbed he got it by default now is he actually going to win it for real this year so all the all these really interesting narratives and storylines like, like we were talking about really do affect the uh, the public sentiment and the and the room on the race looking forward to
0: seeing you down there my friend chris Absolutely. thank you so much
5: take care
1: Meg i miss you <laughs> i miss you too jk i'll see you soon hey I, I wanted to to get you on to talk about this horse specifically because I know there's a lot of questions about Morello and his ability to get the distance. Uh, he also had a little bit of a trip last time. And I know you've seen him in the flesh. So first off, what do you think about Morello as it pertains to him getting the distance?
15: Well, I, I from a physical perspective, I have a little bit of trouble seeing him one mile and a quarter. Uh, I think he's a, a very talented young horse. Uh, did a lot in a very short period of time. Forgive him his wood memorial completely blew the break uh, against much tougher than he had faced Then tried to middle move. That never works. Um, So I put a line through that, but looking at him from a physical perspective, I have a hard time seeing him want a lot more ground. Um, The one thing that makes him an overachiever is he looks like a jockey's dream to ride. He just waits on the rider. What do you want me to do? I'll do it, which is kind of interesting being by classic empire was a little quirky a little tricky to ride he's completely opposite if you want him to do a little more he does a little more you want him to relax he comes back to you um so horses like that will fool you and get more ground just because they do things so properly
1: that's a great point i'm glad you mentioned that because obviously running in the kentucky derby having a horse that listens to his rider is half the battle of getting the mile and a quarter am i wrong
15: or right Oh, absolutely right. You don't want a horse that gets too keen, pulls too much, 20-horse field, which the derby always is. You still want to come out running. And some horses, if you come out running, you've turned them on. You can't turn them back off. When you have a horse that could turn on and off like that, that certainly is a huge advantage for a rider. You know, you can come out, grab your position. Then when you put your hands down, he's going to come back to you as opposed to running through the bridle. Um, I like the horse very much. Uh, Pedigree-wise says he should stay the mile and a quarter. Looking at him physically, I don't really get that impression. Um, But I do think that he's a horse that we're going to hear a lot from throughout the year. No horse goes from breaking their maiden and take the steps he took in such a short period of time, unless they're very talented. I always go back to this. They knew Mike Tyson was going to be champion of the world one day when he was 15 years old. He still fought 20 pretty pretty easy fights before he stepped up with much stiffer competition. I equate horses to that. They still need that process to either learn, get physically fitter, certainly mentally stronger. Um, so he's very talented. I'm just not sure he's a Kentucky Derby horse.
1: And so and we talked about the distance you've expressed, you know, the pedigree, uh, the fact that he's kind of push button, the, the physicality of him is your biggest concern. Um, and I learned this from you, and I, I like to try to throw it in as often as possible. But that one-turn mile, uh, I've always felt like the one-turn mile – plays much closer to the mile and an eighth than it does to a seven furlong race because of that long stretch where horses don't get to slow down going into the turn. Uh, Does that give you just a little bit more confidence the way that he handled that one turn mile that maybe just maybe he can get the mile and a quarter or does the physicality of him kind of outweigh that?
15: Well, you know, it's a great question. Um, Again, I'm a fan of the horse. I, I, I look at him and I go, man, I'd like to ride him because he just seems like a horse that, uh, again, I'll go back to it, a jockey's dream. That being said, I'm not seeing a mile and a quarter horse uh, under any circumstances. Uh, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. He will not be, if he does run in the Kentucky Derby, he will not be in my top four. Well, that was, that was the question
1: I was going to ask you. Is he a user or a toss? It sounds like the MIG is going to toss him right out of that window at Aqueduct, huh?
15: Well, again, uh, and I don't want to be... Uh, taken the wrong way. I'm a big fan of the horse and I do think we're going to hear good things from him. Also, I'm not a huge fan and in this day and age, it's changed a lot of lightly raced horses going to the Derby. I just think it's, it, it's asking a lot to go a a quarter that early in the three-year-old season. Anyway, I like horses to have more seasoning. Basically, what you're saying
1: is you would take the 5-1 to one if I offered it right now for this horse to win uh, the Jerkins this summer at Saratoga. Uh,
15: yeah, actually, I, that's, that's probably a good line
1: all right i appreciate you taking the time i miss you buddy hopefully i'll see you soon look forward to it
0: next up we have a returning guest whose opinion i'm really eager to get not just about the horse he's here to speak with about uh, nominally for this segment but uh, the contingent coming over from dubai he is from uh dubai racing tv from a fantastic twitter follow over at adolfson racing michael adolfson how are you my friend
16: Doing well. Always glad to be here. And um, and chat not only international racing, but especially Derby Week. Uh, we have such great racing uh, coming up over there. And I'm in a unique position where we have some horses that I've seen recently run here that are going over. As recently as this morning, from what I understand, is that right? <laughs> you, were you there for summaries tomorrow's work? I was. I've uh, been there for his last two works since the uh, his two works. Periods since the uh, uae derby uh he did one six days ago he did a half mile um it was very very smart half mile and today was today was very impressive we can get into that later but it was it was it was oof, uh i was not expecting that <laughs> that's interesting that's very interesting to hear but as you
0: suggest i think we should back up first a lot of people watching this podcast who watch racing a couple of times a year they're not going to have heard of this horse summer is tomorrow what can you tell us about him
16: more generally speaking uh he's well seasoned and he's kind of like the international product so he's um uh i think that's a cool aspect of him he's born in the states he's an Airdrie bred um, uh, Burton C. Jones bred him um he's a son of Summerfront um and basically he was he was born in the states um and he was sold in by a French company in the UK because of COVID uh Arcana sold him in in the UK at Doncaster um last year and um he was or two years ago he's broken and he was broke in ireland he's trained by an indian in dubai uh his <laughs> his traveling lad and, and exercise rider is from south africa and he's owned by an iranian and an irishman that
0: is the story i mean these are the stories of the whole derby honestly the, you want to talk about the internationalization of racing we've got it right here what's he done on the racetrack
16: and seven starts he's very well seasoned he'd be making his eighth start um his two wins have been sprints, but his seven furlong win two back was very impressive. Um it kind of hinted that he's he could he could stretch out a bit. And that's what they did next out uh, in the UAE Derby. Kind of shocked a lot of people. They switched the rider on him to Mikhail Barcelona. And if you're not um, if if you're not sort of familiar with Mikhail, when he rides the dirt, he's extremely good and then very good on the front end. Um, and Mikhail Barcelona kind of didn't really set it too slow of a pace. He let him just run and use his speed a bit. And uh, he almost won the race. He almost stole the whole thing at the top of the lane. He kicked on nicely and he just got caught by a, a bit of a, a bit of a freight train in, in Crown Pride, who's just a one pace kind of uh, train that just keeps coming and, and got him in the last, um, eh, last 100, 150 meters.
0: Was there a bias in his favor? That was an odd track that that uh, day in tonight. You had pointed out that you felt like The inside was definitely going to be good in the hotter, Mm -hmm. funnier early part of the card. As it went on, did it it, it even out?
16: It it absolutely. um, I would say it overcorrected. We'll we'll say that. I think it 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 came about about this time of day in in the UA Derby. It's the middle of the race day, and it was you know right before sundown. It was I think absolutely fair and even. Um, as As the as it got cooler. Um, and the humidity would basically drop, um, it, or sorry, humidity would rise in the evening. Uh, it, I think it held more, it held, it was like holding onto water, became very tiring. Um, and I think life is good. Gone, got the brunt of it in the, in the big race that day. Um, I mean, he's not bred to stay the distance first of all, but, but he definitely wasn't done any favors by the track that day. No, it's, it's one of the wildest that,
0: you know, as a time oriented person trying to look Mm -hmm. and make figures for a card. I found it almost impossible to make sense of it. But let's go back. Obviously, there were atmospheric conditions at play. But let's go back to summer is tomorrow. Two main questions for you before we pivot on to some of the other runners coming over from Dubai. Do we think this horse has a chance to lead in the Kentucky Derby? Do we think this horse has a chance to be
16: anywhere there at the end? Um, I think it depends on how much pressure he gets. I, I think that people are right in kind of dismissing him as a winning chance. Um, I think he is good enough and moving in the right direction enough to be top ten in the race, maybe top eight. He's kinda of one of those horses that just has a lot of class to him and he's really done the only races that where anything's gone awry, he had either yeah, I think he had some feet issues, um, things that really weren't in his control. He's a genuine type. Um I always find it interesting that that he's actually bred to be a nine furlong grass horse. You know, he's out of a He's out of a full sister to, um, uh, I think was the name bigger picture, um, is, a uh, one, the, one, the United, won the United nations a couple of yep. years ago in 2019 and he won the Elkhorn I think, uh, three years ago tomorrow. Um, so yeah, there's a, there, there's a lot of stamina on that bottom side, despite being out of a badge of silver mayor who was a miler himself. And, and he's just got a lot of class to him. I think that what you're going to see is a horse that if he breaks, which he should under Mikhail, Mikhail's very good out of the gate. He's like the French Paco Lopez and
9: he'll get him <laughs> out there. And,
16: um, I think you'll see him. He's quick enough easily. I mean, he's quick enough. He was quicker than um, uh, Baffert's horse in the UA Derby. His name is escaping me. He won the Saudi Derby. um, Pinehurst. He was quicker than he was uh, that day easily. So he got out there. he, He, you know, he's a horse that I think will have the lead and he'll try to kick on. He's genuine enough that if they give him a breather at all and they don't really inhale him on the turn, he'll try his best to hold on as long as he can. And my hope for my friends who are connected with the horse is that he just has a good showing. He doesn't finish last, and he finishes a good, you know, eighth, ninth, you know, or maybe even picks up a check. And I think sixth or seventh, you know, I I don't I don't know how far it pays out, but I I do think that he's a horse that if you're going if they if they they leave him alone, or if or if the track comes up wet because he's bred to be a mutter all day long, uh, he's a horse that will last longer than people expect. It just has to go his way, and they're they're kind of the, the wind win players are right to. Dismission. Tell me a little bit about the workout you saw this morning. It sounded like you were impressed. I was very impressed. Uh, he went out with a horse named Beauchart, who's a, I would say, the equivalent of like a high allowance level older sprint horse. Um, you know, is a horse that used to be one of the better sprinters in Dubai. Now he's a seven for a long mile horse as he gets long in the tooth. But he went out there and he was supposed to follow Beauchart. He's really quick, little little Dubai, and and he passed him before they got to the bend, basically, and then just opened up on him. And basically, the, the the instructions were go 13, 12, 12, 12, basically 13, 12, 12, um, 12, and then two 11s to finish up for the six furlongs. And he came home 11 and six and then 11 and four um, for his final two furlongs. And I th- I was, so that made 23 flat. He went 111 and four, so 111.8 for the, um, for the six furlongs. Um, it was just very impressive. It's a horse that's really doing well. They gave him you know a bit of space out of that last race uh and he's come back two races in six i mean two workouts in six days and he's hinting you know all the time that he's doing well so um that's what you want in a speed horse you want him to sort of grab a hold of the bit like that and just use his own tools and want to use his own tools and to me if he breaks he's he's going to be in front i just don't know anybody else who's going to be hell-bent for the lead and he is that's very interesting. That would be my takeaway. Sharp horse,
0: sprinter, speed, uh, feels mm-hmm. like one who's going to be a major pace player in a race where there's been a lot of conversation about the pace. We're basically out of time, but I can't let you get out of here without getting a quick thought from you on Crown Pride and whether or not you think <laughs> he has a chance, and then also Shahama in the Oaks and whether or not she's a serious contender. I think Crown
16: Pride is is a shoe in to be Sort of grinding at the end, like he did in the OE Derby. I think he's going to be along for a for a fourth, fifth, sixth at best. Probably a little bit worse than that because he ran a fourteen on the rags last out, and it wasn't that impressive. Um, and I think the best horse in that race didn't run very well, and that was Azure Coast, uh, who was who kind of boiled over before the race. Um, Shahama can win the Oaks. Wow, uh, her uh, she's a big price. I think she's really talented. I mean, she's a Almost five hundred thousand um, dollar half sister to Looking at it Lucky. She's a beautiful money. She travels really well. It all depends on how well she shipped over there, and how well she's adapted into Pletcher's program. And Pletcher's really good at picking up horses. We've seen this from other barns. So if he thinks she's good enough to run in the race, he's not going to run her unless, like, he can tell the owners we have a shot in this race. And to me, she's a true nine ten for a long filly. She's going to be humming along at the end. She's going to keep trying. I'm hoping that Audrey DeVries keeps the ride because he's one of the better riders in the world on any surface. And um, he could ease. I'd love to see him go over there and finish in the money. But yeah, I think that that race is ripe for a big upset because a lot of the big names in it are going to be hammered at the
0: windows. (laughs) Michael, fantastic stuff. We hope you're here, Derby Week. We'll follow the training of these horses, maybe bring you back on for something, maybe on the plus side to just give your thoughts on how the Dubai contingent and others are training, heading into the race. Really appreciate your time today. Glad to help out. Next up on the show, the person who probably had the single most memorable segment in last year's Derby Monster Pod when she made the case for medina spirit i kind of thought when i talked to her about who she wanted to talk about for this year's monster pod she might go with messier who i thought had a little bit of a medina spirit type look about it but no she has a horse she really likes she also makes the best faces when i say the names of horses. she doesn't fancy go back and <laughs> watch <write my> Derby <laughs> Draft show if you want to see I- i've had multiple people send me freeze frames of your face at every pick i made during that derby Draft oh. show. i'm talking of course about michelle you michelle how are things
17: I'm good, Pete. Except Messi, I've like never even said one nice thing about him. I don't. No, think.
0: I just thought because of the look, and we're supposed to be talking about Cyberknife. But I just thought, you know, out of a you know the same original trainer, sneaky chance to be best speed, had some old form. Disappointed, maybe a little for some in the previous. Anyway, whatever. That was just a guess. You love, you love, you some Cyberknife, and I want to hear about how far back this love affair goes.
17: Uh, let's see how far back does it go? So I actually thought he was intriguing coming into the Lecompte stakes. Um, and then obviously he was beaten, but then I had to go on and start looking at horses that I thought could make a case for a future book on play. And so I, I, I kept like coming back to him knowing that he was going to run in like an allowance race and like, just thinking, this this horse can be something, right? Because if you go back and you watch his races, I feel like he's got talent. He's just a complete nut job, yeah. which I'm okay with. I love a horse that either has like you can a, a major, Yes, I like a horse has a major issue, or is a head case, or doesn't like to do something, or you know, like fell on their face. I mean, I like to have an excuse of some sort. So I, I, I looked at him for the futures and then, you know, I, I knew that going into Arkansas Derby, it was going to either be like, I look genius or I look like a moron, but it's completely fine. You know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, it ended up, I look so smart after that race. So, I mean, like now it's just kind of like I'm, I'm on his bandwagon because of this, like whole, I had to pick a futures horse.
0: Well, you, you got on the right one. You're going to go to the gate. You win a key prep race in the Arkansas Derby. But let's talk a little bit more about that Arkansas Derby. I know the pace was fast, but uh, I didn't love the way this horse came home, either on the clock or just visually. Now, you know a lot more about uh, you know things like lead changes and lugging in and, and how a horse is behaving in the stretch. Did you see something from Cyberknife in that Arkansas Derby performance that makes you think he could take the needed step forward in a race like the Kentucky Derby? Well, I
17: think that we already saw him move forward in the Derby, right? Let's go back and let's walk down the stretch real quick because he does get very green um, down the lane and I don't want to like misspeak on what exactly he did. So I'm going to fast forward to like the, of lane of the Arkansas Derby that I'm going to watch on my other screen right now. <laughs> Uh,
0: People can look at his stats from our crack slide that we have while you take a look at that.
17: There we Um, go. That's what we like to see. Okay. So like when he comes down the lane, uh, he is on the correct lead. So that's good. He just lugs out under left-handed urging multiple times, but for the most part, he still has a a relatively straight way about him. I think that he lugs out really bad at the end too. Okay. But he was on the right (laughs) lead. So that's good. So, When you look at his last races, when he he has come down the lane before and, like, made contact with horses, he's been the horse that, like, looks at other horses like, oh, what are you doing here? This is strange. And, like, doesn't want to, like, run on past them. So I think that the fact that they got him to the lead early was really good, right? Um, like, it wasn't going to be a just down the lane situation. Like, I feel like that horse needs, needs time to, like, mentally adjust for what's going on. I think that the early move that Flo made, put him in contention for the win, right? Like when secret oath didn't get that early move and they waited. I mean, he just had all the momentum behind him. So he was able to overcome that little bit of of greenness at the end, but overall he stayed pretty straight. He didn't switch his leads back and forth, which is great. I would have liked to, yes, see him level out a bit when he was being whipped, but I think that, He's kind of resentful to what the heck is going on still. And that's again that mental greenness. I think that you can certainly move forward from that because if you watch all his races, he's been already in a progression mentally. Um, you know, the the cyber knife of three races ago, I think when he got to the front and he got hit left-handed, I don't know, would have bolted or just plate flat out stopped. And this horse didn't try and do that. You know, it's getting better.
0: What price did you get this horse on as a future?
17: 50 to one.
0: Okay, 50. You're certainly getting the value there. At what price would you want to bet him again on Derby Day, or do you think your boots are full at this point?
17: I mean, like, right now I think he was, like, 22 to 1 or something the last time I looked, and I still think that's a good price because I feel like, come Derby Day, and you get all these guys that don't know anything about horse racing, right? They're gonna go like this. Okay, Brad Cox. I know that guy's name, right? That's what they're gonna do. And they're just gonna hand over fists, stuff like that. So, I do feel like a lot of times you get lower odds than the horse is worth based on the names that their trainers bring in. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I feel like with Brad being the hometown guy and everything else. And I think a lot of, if this horse trains well, I think a lot of people like, well, you know, he wants to win the Derby outright. This could be his year. You know, it doesn't have to be like a fancy horse, like essential quality or whatnot. So I think that he'll be lower than the 22 to one you can get him at right now, or I see him at right now. I don't know if I would want to go lower than like six, eight. I mean, like at that price, he's getting like near favoritism, right? Like I want to, I want, I think that he deserves to be a price source, but like I, I can see where he goes a little lower and I'm not hesitant to use him in my tickets at that price.
0: I think you made a key point about how he trains and the good news is that you once again this year as last year are going to be part of our final answer show that we will stream live Wednesday of Derby week from lexington kentucky that so, is the yeah.
17: day after my birthday
0: the day which which i which i love that we'll get to keep the celebration going in lexington you still haven't sent me your final choice of restaurant by the way we got to work oh on
17: yeah it. a, well I, I still i restaurant. mean dudley's is my number one i love dudley's well we can do that we can do i heard that wait didn't david and gordo open a restaurant i heard it's good and we should try it
0: all right well we could like we
17: can, dino's or something like that
0: frank and dino's is he involved Yeah, in maybe well, you are the birthday girl so you get to choose okay. At that show, you'll get to give us your final answer on how you think Cyberknife has worked coming into this. And we can see if we can, uh, we can figure out our, our, our final answer with him and the rest of this Derby field. But we know you're, I mean, you're all about the knife. Yeah. Uh,
17: looking at his works, he's generally like a minute flat workhorse pretty much all the time. And he just worked three days ago at Churchill in a minute flat. So like, he is right on schedule looking at like his history of works um, for coming into here. I didn't get to see that work, obviously. I would love to. So maybe I'll be able to find it online. I don't know if they're, they were shooting quite. Yeah, maybe they are. I don't know when they start doing their. I, think it's I like bet shooting. you'll
0: find it. I yeah. bet the, I bet through the map. Well,
17: I don't know if they have it like real, but like Kevin might have just videotaped it on his phone and we can watch that. But I do obviously want time. to see him getting over the surface. Um which would be good. Although he has race experience over the Churchill service and they were both decent enough. The, the the key for him is really just going to be like, there's 180,000 people there. How is he going to mentally handle that? You know, like, is there going to be stage fright? Is it going to be like screaming so loud from both sides that he just has to go "Ah," straight? Like there's a (laughs) lot of keys that we can see. I, I really hope. I don't know if Brad's a big schooler to be fair. I really hope Brad schools him so that, like, we can see, unless he's a stupid schooler, and then you don't school him. So then it's like a big surprise that day. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I haven't been around the horse. I, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll find out a little more about him mentally and what he can and can't do. Maybe it's only on the racetrack on race day that he's been silly.
0: The bigger the price, the less you have to worry about this stuff. To right. Be Last question What kind of trip do you want him to get?
17: I want him to have a relatively forwardly placed trip, obviously. I don't want to see him more than, like, five lengths back. I I mean, unless there's someone out there, you know, guns a-blazing. But I don't want to see him try and pick up through or around 10, 12 horses. You know what I mean? Like, he needs to be the first several. And I want to see the, the jock move early on him. So none of this wait till the top of the lane crap right i'm not i don't i don't like that I, you gotta move early like let's get going especially because this horse it looks like you have to keep riding him there's some horses that like you ask them to go and they give it to you and you don't have to touch them again and they're just guns a blazing um i feel like this is a horse that you got to keep like reminding him hey by the way your job's not done yet dude
15: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. all right great stuff michelle always appreciate your insights and we look forward to seeing you for the final answer show in lexington derby week
17: sounds great Thanks, Pete.
0: Next up on the show, a guest who is always extremely popular when we have him on these airwaves. He was here just a few weeks ago talking about the beginning of the Keeneland meet, and he's here now to talk about It's chances in the Kentucky Derby. He is professional horse player, Mike Maloney. Mike, what do you think this horse's chances are?
18: Pete, for me, uh, Charge is a use. Uh, he's not a key. He's not one of my A-list contenders, but... Uh, He's a horse that has enough upside that I'm afraid not to include him. Um, his, you know, he's had three starts. I see a nice progression in his races so far. He narrowly lost the maiden race, ran an 83 buyer, came back, broke his maiden with a 93 buyer, then moved into the Florida Derby, not only moved from a maiden race to a grade one, but it was his first time around two terms so a big ask and the horse ran well you know in the the, you know the florida derby i don't think is one of the fastest preps for the derby this year uh don't think it was one of the deepest preps so um that's a negative for charge it but um i was you know i thought he ran well in there he as as you would expect from a horse making his third lifetime start and and first time around the turns he looked a little green early in the race. Didn't seem uh, real comfortable sitting in the pocket down the backside and was a lot more interested in running when he was pulled out and kind of produced at the top of the stretch. Um, being a son of Tappet, I would expect continued improvement. think the distance uh, added distance should be fine in very good hands training wise. So, uh, You know, a horse that will have to move forward significantly to be a big factor, but judging by his past performance, I can't rule that out, that he might really move forward.
0: One reason I thought it would be interesting to talk to you in particular about charge it, there's a few reasons that we'll get to, but one was, I know you've talked about being extra forgiving of horses when they hit the gate early in a race, that that in and of itself can be an excuse sometimes, a reason to draw a line through a race and go back and try to judge them off their previous efforts. That happened to charge it. I'm curious to get your take on how bad you thought it was. But one thing that I liked about him is he fought through that ungainly beginning. And even though he was also green late, as you point out, I just thought he showed a little ability and you could make a case that he improved even more than it looked like because he had things not really go his way and he still put a together a, a good effort in a grade one prep albeit not the most uh, sexy of the ones this year what did you think the effect of that break had on charges performance last time
18: yeah it it uh, definitely not a positive so you know something that you factor in for for me you know i've i've seen a lot worse it wasn't a a, a real bad incident of 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 a gate issue but um uh you know it's a it's a small uh factor I guess in his favor going forward um he you know he's kind of a high-headed horse too and I always just just in the way he runs and I I kind of think of those horses as you know is that just being greenness sometime and and you know that's another thing pointing to me that, that there's probably a lot more to this horse than what he's been able to show so far. And he's, you know, he has a very good race rate.
0: That's always an interesting question with a runner like charge. And on one hand, you can look at those signs of greenness and say, okay, now how's he going to handle it in a race like the Kentucky Derby with 20 other horses and all the inherent challenges. But the other way, and I get the sense that you're seeing a little bit of the upside in this respect is, Hey, if he ran that well and got that figure not doing things right, how's he going to do when he improves and and starts, you know, learning a bit given the hands he's in and given this pedigree, which I'm going to go ahead and say is maybe the most interesting pedigree of any horse in the Derby this year. And one that also suggests better with distance, better with racing. I'm definitely inclined to, take of the more optimistic of those views. But, of course, if he shows that kind of greenness this time around, I mean, you can rip up your ticket, right?
18: Yeah, and, and, you know, something we haven't mentioned yet, which I don't really know about this particular horse, but I'm sure with all the coverage we'll get leading in the Derby, we'll probably get a clue to this. Mental maturity is a huge factor in the Derby. Uh, horses are, are going to be put in a situation like nothing that they've ever been through before some horses handle it better than others and, you know, it can melt a horse down and there's a lot of horses that, that lose their, their race in the Derby before they ever get in the game. Uh, You know, they wash out or they, they get fractious and they're just uh, they're thrown off their game. So uh, Tappets can tend to be high strung and, and can tend to be difficult sometimes. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pay special attention to, Uh, what's written in the press and the interviews that are out uh, that that might give me a clue as to uh, charge its disposition.
0: Well, try to get an update from you on that before our final answer show, which as I've mentioned several times taking place Wednesday of Derby week in Lexington. Not sure if there's any tickets going to be available to the public for that or not. I'll get all the details. We'll post them, but Mike would certainly love an update on your opinion as we get closer. Cause that is a key point about this runner and that there's a lot more info to dig on. Hopefully he gets uh, some of that class from the damn side uh, of the pedigree And can can face the challenge if if uh, we're going to be using him on our tickets in the first Saturday in May. Mike, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today.
18: Anytime, Pete.
1: My man G Stevens.
19: What's going on, J.K.? Everything's good, man. Nice little vacation is setting me up for uh, this whole Derby thing, you know. Are you are you going to Derby? Um, I will be there. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we. we, you
1: spent uh, the winter and in, in, in early part of the spring in uh, Hot springs at Oak Lawn. So, you know, I know you were, were uh, hustling book and doing the shows and just running around everywhere. I have a feeling you have your finger on the pulse. I want to just talk to you a little bit about Barber Road. I will also talk about some of the other horses uh, in town. But what are your thoughts about Barber Road? Do you think he's the type of horse that can win a Kentucky Derby or at least be involved late?
19: Uh, he's going to be involved late. Um... You know, it it looks like, to me, there is so much speed um, in this derby. You know, I mean, at least it's going to, and there's always an honest pace in the derby. And I think it's going to be more than honest uh, this year, JK. The thing that worries me about this horse is uh, trips, the trips he's been getting, you know. Uh, and then finding trouble even late in races, and that seems to be his M.O. this year, and I can't knock him. He's a little bulldog. I love the horse, and, uh, and I'm a fan of Johnny Ortiz. He's full of energy, and and uh, this horse is, you know, it, it's a dream come true for him to be running in his first derby and, and everything, so it's a great great story, a young trainer, uh, and, and it's just kind of blasted onto the scene. I remember um, this time last year he was – he was uh, a little frustrated. You know, he was just really starting to get some decent kind of horses and, and getting a, a following and stuff. But uh, back to Barber Road, you know, I, I thought that um, inside the, the final furlong, um, going back, I've watched that stretch run, uh, I don't know how many times, but a lot. And, you know, I, I couldn't understand why he got the leaning in. And, and even on the chart, it says love inside the 16th pole, and Ray Lou was getting after him right-handed. So I I hope that Ray Lou and I'm not being critical, but I guess I am, you know, I I think that he should have been a a clear second. Um, The strength of, of the Arkansas Derby uh, worries me a little bit, but it really hasn't seemed to matter. The competition he's been facing. He's always, he's there. He's there in the frame. Um, you know, in every, each and every race since his uh, two-year-old year. I mean, he uh, broke his maiden in a claiming race, came back, won a starter race, and, you know, he hasn't won a race in 2022. And um, that's of con- some concern to me. We know those types of horses where you see a couple of wins, but you see a lot of uh, seconds, and you see more seconds and thirds than you do wins. And uh, that form uh, sometimes holds true. And uh that that's the thing that worries me he he's, he is good enough because the best best horse uh, or the best bred uh, horses and 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 stuff don't always win the kentucky derby we've seen horses win the kentucky derby that never never win another race in their career i don't think he's one of those types of horses but i'd like to see he's, he's gonna need a breakthrough race uh, to win the kentucky derby but it's, uh, it's very possible it could happen in the Kentucky Derby, that breakthrough race.
1: You mentioned, and I've heard a couple of people say this as well, and you mentioned that you, you, you kind of question or you wonder a little bit about how good this Arkansas Derby is. That's nothing against the Arkansas Derby. It produces no. runner after runner after runner, but sometimes it just happens. The Florida Derby can be down one year. The San Anita Derby can be down one year. Do you feel as if maybe this wasn't the strongest group of three-year-old Colts we've seen
19: exiting Oakland? Listen, I, I think Cyberknife is a a, a very good colt, and I I think he's going to continue to improve. I don't think we've seen the best of him. He's another horse that that could really jump forward, uh, but he's he's been hard to handle at times. Uh, and Brad Cox has made it well known that he's a little bit of a mental case, and he put everything together. But as soon as he made the lead, he started wandering around, you know, uh, inside outside, and and um, Florent, I I think even with more competition, it's going to make cyber, uh, better competition. It's going to improve cyber knife. I think, uh, I've ridden horses in the past that, you know, uh, got themselves in trouble against cheaper horses because they made the lead too early. Whereas if you're facing better competition, you have a target and the longer you have a target, uh, the less time they have to think about screwing up. It's like the kid, uh, you know, um, is a great athlete, and, and he's so used to just toying with his competition that uh, he starts slowing down. Let's say it's uh, even a track star. Uh, I got this one wrapped up and starts showing off or whatever. He's almost reminds me of a show-off. Uh, and, and when you face better competition, you don't have time to show, show off. You learn a lesson. And, um, you know, he had been beaten a couple of times, that they were disappointed in him, and he showed up on the day of the Arkansas Derby. And, and I don't think that we saw probably even 90% of what he was capable of. And I, I'm sure Brad's happy with that because you don't want their best race being the one before the Kentucky Derby. You want it to be on Derby Day. And a little
1: bonus coverage since we have you, Gia. We know how close you are to the coach, D. Wayne Lucas. And we know how much, uh, obviously, winning a Derby uh, for him. But then also um, just being around, hanging out. we have heard it on the Fox shows. You've been spending a lot of time back there in Coach's Barn, what do you think about Secret
19: Oath? Do you think that we're going to see a bounce-back performance from her in the Kentucky Oaks? I, I think she's most definitely going to need a bounce-back uh, performance in the Kentucky Oaks. Listen, I think there's a couple of fillies in the Oaks that would make all these Colts in the Derby run. <laughs> I'm not so sure that, that uh, it's not going to be just as exciting of race, uh, as, as a race as just a pure uh, fan of the sport and, and fan of uh, fillies, especially when they're good fillies um i'm i think i'm going to enjoy the the oaks every bit as much as um as the uh, kentucky derby but uh wayne you know he's he's almost gone back to his youth i i called him uh here about a week ago uh just before the the bluegrass and and uh he was he all he said i'll just tell you what he said uh you know i i think that Secret Oath overcame some rides at Oakland Park and still won, and she couldn't overcome. He said, "I still think I ran the best Philly on the day," and he says, "I'm not so uh, so sure that I didn't run the best Philly, um, you know, are the best horse with Ethereal the Road and <laughs> as well." So you know, he and he's made changes on both Ethereal the Road and with Secret Oath, and he used to say listen, uh, this was a date. This wasn't a marriage. <laughs> so uh, that that's, uh, you know, he said it to me a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, sure broke, I'm sure he broke up with you a few times as well. He, bro- he, he broke some hearts. He broke some <laughs> hearts during his career. And it didn't it didn't matter. He, but, but that didn't mean you weren't going to get another chance, if you know what I mean.
1: That's beautiful. Gee, I appreciate you taking the time. I look forward to seeing you as soon as possible.
19: All right, J.K., we'll see you soon.
1: Okay, take care. When you look at this year's Kentucky Derby field, one of the horses you'll come across, Tiz the Bomb, you'll you'll see and you'll have a big question. Our horse won on a synthetic surface last time. Is the horse gonna handle the dirt? And why speculate when you can ask someone who's sat on his back? Brian, how are you? I'm good, Jonathan. Yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Tell me a little bit about Tiz the Bomb. I know you you obviously rode him last time in the Jeff Ruby steak stake, which is my favorite race name. Um, but you also worked him last time at Churchill Downs on the surface that the Kentucky Derby will be run on. How did he go?
20: Yeah, he worked well. You know, he's done all his he's done all his works in the mornings over different dirt surfaces and he seems to get over Churchill really, really well. He worked a, a nice smooth half last week in forty eight and some change. And you know, he did break his maiden by fourteen on the dirt over at Ellis second time out. So we uh we just kinda have to go into the to so the derby optimistic and know that he's doing really really well and and kind of just go from there
1: um from a distance standpoint obviously every horse will except i guess maybe for epicenter who went the mile and three sixteenths we'll have to kind of answer that question of, of the mile and a quarter what's your m your, your 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 kind of your thoughts on whether or not tis the bomb will be able to handle that uh, that added distance
20: yeah like you said it'll be everybody's first time going that the mile and a quarter but uh in the mile and an eighth race last time he was, he was getting away from those horses and, and one of those horses being Towny Ford and you seen what Towny Ford came back and did in the Lexington the other day. So that, uh, that just kind of, that kind of made us look a little better. And we're just thinking that, you know, he's, he's going into this race the right kind of way. And we think, we think he's an improving three-year-old.
1: Does he feel like the type of horse that, you know, he's obviously come from out of it in his last couple of starts. Do you feel like he can be a little bit closer?
20: Uh- Going back into, like, the Breeders' Cup race, I, in that race there, I expected to be a, a lot closer to the to the pace going around the first turn, and we ended up getting shuffled back. And as we were going on the backside, I was kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, man, there's no way he can be able to make up this kind of ground. And he did. You know, he, he overcame a tough trip that day, and, and he, he ran down some good horses and just missed it the second. So you just kind of got to ride. – we're going to kind of wait for the draw and see how the race develops and, and kind of go from there. 25, 27.
1: Do you have any preferences where you draw? would you like to kind of be towards the outside? Do you want to be in a position where you can save some ground and or do you feel like just you want to keep him in the clear? Any thoughts about
20: where you would like to draw or just see what happens? I uh, we're just gonna have to see what happens because you know with the draw like that that's that's out of our hand once once we get the draw and we, we see what what horses are around us and kind of we'll just have to sit down with Kenny and, and work out just try to work out the best trip for the horse you know give him give him the right kind of right kind of trip and just kind of let him prove what a good horse he is and stay out of his way more than anything.
1: And Brian, for the, the new fans,
20: I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you,
1: tell a fan or a, a new sporting fan who might not even know a lot about racing as a rider, what's it like that first Saturday in May when you wake up and, and you go to the jocks room and you, and you get your colors for the derby and then you do the walkout and then you do the, my, my old Kentucky home. Tell us a little bit about what it's like to,
20: to ride in that race it's it's a big deal you know anytime you ride in these these big triple crown races and and these Breeders' cup races it, it's a huge it's very proud of the moment and you just got to go to uh to accomplish what you've gotten there and especially for the horse you know it there's only 23 year olds this year that are going to be able to make it into the derby so you you have to be proud for the horse for what he's been able to accomplish just to get to this point do you do you remember your first derby were you pretty nervous yeah uh you know what i actually wasn't really nervous i rode a horse for a uh, for mr tom benson the owner of the saints actually it was my first derby and and they made it really easy on us you know we had a we had a party a couple of nights before the race and we just all went into it with having a lot of fun and, and, and enjoying the moment and i think that's kind of one of the biggest things that i've learned over the years is you know i've, I've ridden a lot of really big races and ian wilkes the, the, when we won the british cup classic that was the best advice he he gave me he legged me up on fort lorna that day and he goes you know what just go out there and have fun and when you ride for for those kind of guys that that don't put that added pressure on you and and just like they tell you you know we've made it this far so just go out there and and have fun you kind of have an idea what's gonna what's gonna happen so just give the horse the best trip and and have fun with it
1: well Brian he's kind of got an animal kingdom feel to me so uh, we'll be rooting for you we wish you the best of luck safe trip on Saturday but also safe trip the rest of the week and all your rides thanks Jonathan you too take
0: care Next up, we've got an old friend, somebody who's going to be part of our Final Answers show, our live stream on May 4th, the Derby uh, Final answer show we do, what we've done the last couple of years. He is from Medallion Racing. He is Philip Shelton. How are you, my man?
21: Doing great, Pete. Thanks for having me.
0: So we talked ahead of the Lexington about in due time in there and uh, didn't run a bad race. He hits the board again. What did you think of the trip and the performance overall?
21: You know, I think we couldn't have asked for a much better trip, really. I think he didn't handle the ground great, according to Paco. Watching the race, that's kind of how it looked. You know, he was in a good position. He was under pressure a long way out, which I think historically for us, looking back at horses that we've had that we felt like haven't handled a certain, whether it's they don't like being down inside, they don't like the track, but just felt like he was spinning his wheels. I thought it, going around the terminal, it was like, he's going to be seventh or eighth. He's going to be nowhere kind of got his feet underneath him a little bit rallied on the inside. I think you could argue inside probably wasn't the the best part of the track at Keeneland on Saturday, but he ran well enough, you know, for us, we, we think he's got a lot of ability. Kelly's really high on him. Um, you know, just thought, Hey, wasn't, um, you know, wasn't his day on Saturday, no fault to the the top two horses. But I think just you could tell a long way out that he wasn't going to win. And frankly, i am thought he was going to be up the track a little bit so I was glad he kind of got his feet underneath him he's still light on experience and seasoning so um you know happy to just just keep keep moving forward so currently you sit as the
0: second also eligible but there's chat that Morello might not go there's chat yeah. that early voting might not go who knows what else could happen with the runners inside you are you committed to running in this race should you get in or is it still a question
21: so I think it's up in the air. I talked to um, Joe Moran from Edge Racing yesterday, who's our partner. And I think we're kind of just going to see, A, how our horse does. He came out of the race great. Um, he's, you know, went back to the track yesterday or, or um, sorry, went back to the track on Wednesday. And is doing well. We're going to see how he trains over the weekend and then try to figure it out. You know, I think there's two camps, right? Like there are 20,000 foals born every year, 20 of them make the Derby. For a lot of our partners, they may never be in this position again. And it's hard to just automatically say, hey, we're going to bypass it. Um, But we really want to do what's best for the horse. And I think you could really make a strong argument that waiting for something like the Preakness or, you know, Kelly, obviously, is based at at Monmouth, kind of pointing to the Haskell, working our way back. There's a prep for the Haskell in the middle of June. You could go to the Preakness. He has a one of stakes. He's actually eligible for, like, the Sir Barton Preakness Weekend which, um, you know, I would think he would be a pretty strong favorite in there. So I think we have some options. Um, we still think the horse is really good. But, you know, I think you look at the Derby also runs every year. And it's like, um, you know, it's a graveyard of three-year-olds. A lot of them just never come back and do anything. So we don't want to just throw him into the deep end and say, hey, we're going to have a great experience. And, you know, his story is you close the close the last page of the book. It's over. You know, we think there's a lot a lot left for him and um we just have to weigh all those options and you mentioned
0: about partners maybe not having another chance at this in large part yes it's extremely hard to make the derby but especially with the medallion partnership you're focusing mostly on Phillies. so it's sort of unusual yeah to get involved in a three-year-old cult so so i, I just want to clarify also that's a little bit what you meant by that
21: yeah 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 for sure and i think even like but, you know, you, I mean, there are people that have been trying to get into the Derby for 50 years and never, <laughs> never make it. So it's just a really unique, um, unique experience. And I think for for our guys, we just want to make sure, hey, we're seriously considering every option. The most important part is how the horse trains um, going into it. And I think the other big thing is like if he was 20th and I could tell my guys, hey, you can go buy your $10,000 ticket on Millionaire's Row. We're in, we're going come to louisville watch the final work but embrace everything that the derby is you know that makes it a little bit easier i'm like hey go buy your ticket we may or may not get in now historically when you get horses on the fence you're gonna have one other scratch probably just somebody that gets sick you know you had it slow down Andy got sick you could have another one normally you know week up so my gut feeling is he probably actually would make the body of the field but you don't know that there's no guarantee. Um, you know, the owners of Morello, I don't even want to say early voting, Seth Clareman's done whatever. And, and, and as a, I mean, he's lived every height and Chad's obviously top of the level with the guys that own Morello, you know, they may or may never have this, the same opportunity. So it's, um, you don't know, but yeah, I think just a combination trying to live the full experience and and do what's best for the horse
0: that walkover does sound like a a true life experience for anybody who cares at all about horse racing. So I get it. I get it either way. We'll see what happens. And one quick favor before I let you get out of here. So we're going to be on the panel for the final answer show with, uh, with, with Michelle and JK, you know, they've, they've been sparring a bit lately. I might need (laughs) you to help me referee. Are you, you,
21: that's it. that's a definite. and I'll tell you what we had. Um, everybody loved it last year. I think a lot of the women were uh, loved that Michelle was there to give 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 uh, some female perspective and give some pushback to JK. <laughs> and we'll we'll also tweet out um, a link for anybody that's in Lexington that wants to go to the show. I'll send it to you after this, um, but we'll be able to send it out. So we're we're really excited. Uh, it's a lot of fun having everybody live. You know, now post COVID, it feels like that's actually a reality. You know, getting people back into a into a live event. There's uh, nothing better to talk about than the Derby. So it's exciting. That's going to be great fun. And that's terrific. I
0: wasn't sure if we were going to have some tickets open to the public or not. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure to publicize that as well. Philip, Godspeed. I'll see you soon.
21: All right. Thanks, Pete. I appreciate it.
0: First up on the show, we've got a guy who's he's kind of been the MVP of these broadcasts over the last few years. A few years back, three years, I think, indeed, he told us about uh, Country House and how he might be a contender. Honestly, I don't remember what he picked two years ago, but then last year. He talked all about Rombauer, who didn't compete in the Derby, but did go on to win the Preakness at a nice price. He's one of the most popular guests in the history of the In The Money Media Network. He's professional horse player, Duke
22: Matisse. Duke, how are things? Hey, Pete. Things are good. Uh, I don't know if I have a, a, a country house this year, but hopefully we have a winner. That's what we have to have. Well, and that's the thing. So obviously not all of these videos are going to be people talking
0: about horses they like. That would be impossible. But because of Duke's track record of success, instead of saying to him, hey, would you talk about this horse on the Monster Pod? I said, do you have anybody you like? And you responded without hesitation.
22: Yes. uh, After watching uh, all the prep races, I I came up with, you know, a top probably three or four, but my top choice um, turns out to be the horse I'm going to talk about
0: good old Mo Donegal being that horse, a horse who I thought stamped himself as a contender for this race with the huge run in the Remsen last year. I came out of that thinking it was great form and that uh, Mo Donegal and Zandon were both going to be big contenders for a race like this. But I was told Duke, I was told that no, uh, remsen winner had ever gone on in 100 years to do well in the kentucky derby that's not the actual stat but something like that and then i've i've been informed even since the wood memorial that it's been 19 years since a horse coming out of the wood memorial was to win the kentucky derby these stats don't bother me too much but but i'm curious do you think about that stuff at all the historical significance of a prep like that
22: not really um for the most part i you know as you know i'm a i'm a trip handicapper i'm a I'm a speed figure guy. I'm, uh, you know, I try to going into Derby pick something that might get a little overlooked and, and maybe will be, maybe he's just as good as the, as, as, as the top, you know, the top horses. and I'm, That's usually what I'm looking for when it comes to Derby, not necessarily the history and who went one from, you know, what race and that, I just, I think every year is a little bit different and, you know, uh, I think this year I do think, uh, the horse Mo Donigle is going to have to beat is Zandon. So um, that might be my, my, my one, two punch.
0: So Mo Donegal has looked like a horse to me who could be among the favorites. But when you look at the international betting currently 14 to one, and you see even some really sharp people giving their opinions well, some people who are going to be appearing later on the show, they have him as a double figure price. What price do you think Mo Donegal should be? And what is it that you like about him?
22: I think what he should be is probably uh second or third choice is my, what he should be. I think he's probably going to go off more like uh fifth, sixth choice. Uh, number one, he's going to, uh, he's going to get some, uh, he's going to get better odds just because uh, he's not going to get who wrote him last time. Joel Rosario is going, going to uh, Steve Asmussen horse epicenter, which I think is a huge mistake, but you know, he's probably got to stick with Asmussen since he's been, uh, He's been his number one guy, you know, for most of this year. Um, I Mo Donegal a- attracted my attention, like you said, in the Remsen last year um, with a just a super solid run into a slow pace. And um, as a as a two year old running, we had him running a figure of ninety three. Uh, that's that's a pretty good number going uh, a mile and an eighth as a two year old. And then when he came back this year, he came back in the Holy Bull, and he got this worries me a little bit because he got a very strange ride from a rat Ortiz. He, he got left a little and he, and he was, he seemed like he was hesitant to, you know, go through holes and stuff. And then, you know, I had a big trip on him that day. So I liked them back you know, coming back in the wood and um, uh, the way Rosario got a little more run out of him. I, I'm hoping that was just the horse, not the rider. Cause you know, <laughs> as you know, I'm not, <laughs> I don't usually, uh, I don't, I don't ever blame the rider, Pete. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard you do that before. Dude.
22: That's never, I never up. blame the jock too much. So <laughs> anyway, um, let's not talk about jockeys. Let's talk <laughs> about horses. This is, this is horse racing. Um, I just love the way he finished in the wood. He, there was not much pace. He was, he was way back and he was weaving between and, and the, the last eighth, he just came home like a monster. He just showed me a horse that could go a mile and a quarter and do it well. And we have that figure pretty pretty solid uh, in the and 102 range. So um, I, I, I think he's going to go forward off that, you know, coming into the – he's lightly raced. He's gonna, He should go forward off that race.
0: For those who are uninitiated, and we have plenty of them on this, uh, especially on YouTube, a lot of new fans come in to watch the Derby content. Duke, your brother, Paul, of course, one of the most – famed uh, figure makers there is. And those are the figures you're referring to. How do Modonegal's top numbers stack up against Zandon, Epicenter, uh, Taiba, and the other horses who've run big numbers on the commercially
22: available stuff? The good thing about this year is they're all very similar. So that's why I think you're going to, you, who knows what the odds are going to be. They're all in the low 100s. Um, the Bluegrass and the Wood and the uh, San Andino Derby all came back very, very similar on our speed figure, uh, numbers. So we, I mean, speed figures nowadays are tougher because of the way these tracks are, are tending to change as days go on. I don't know what's necessarily causing that. I don't know if, uh, um, it's track supers trying to make things perfect or what they're trying to do, but tracks seem to be changing during days. And so you have to be careful with these speed figures nowadays, but visually I thought just watching the races visually, Moe Donegal looked like he looked like the horse that wants a mile and a quarter. He looked like the horse that was, you know, is getting to where he's, I thought he would get to when he was two. I thought he would get this far. Now Zandon did, Is a Zandon or Zandon or how do you pronounce I've been that? saying Zandon. He, he did, he impressed me too in the bluegrass because it wasn't much pace and he got shuffled way back. He did a very similar thing. So I think he's a very similar horse to, uh to MoDonegal Donegal. So I'm not, I'm not saying he's that much better, but I know Mo will be higher odds than Zandon. Now, both those horses presumably going to need some pace to run at. Forbidden
0: Kingdom, not going to go here. He was sort of expected to be the Derby pace. Epicenter showed the new dimension in rating last time. These California horses have laid down some big pace figures. It seems like early voting who set the pace in the wood on the fence about whether to compete in the Derby or maybe just go on to the Preakness. Are we all worried about getting enough pace for Zandon and Mo
22: A little, I mean, but it is the Derby. It'll be 20 horses. You know, there's, you would hope there's going to be some speed in there. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't think Mo needs to be that far behind either. Uh, I think he does have more tactical speed than, than uh, he necessarily showed in the wood. That's why I think he's even going to go forward off the race, because I don't think he needs to be that far behind. And, you know, I mean, I think as long as he doesn't draw 20 or, 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 or one, you know, I think uh, if he draws anything in the middle, I think he'll be laying, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh just off the pace. I don't think he'll be far behind as he was in the wood. I may be leading you into traffic on this question because you said not to ask you about jockeys, but in all
0: seriousness, Rosario, known as the best finishing rider around, also very good at getting horses to settle, now going back to... Irad, where he had appeared to to run in in spots in the past. What is your confidence level? You mentioned it before. Maybe it's just the horse maturing. Irad's not a bad finisher. Do you have some confidence, especially with time between now and the Derby, that he can get the same kind of ride under Irad
16: Ortiz?
22: Yeah, I mean, he rode him in the Irad rode him in the Remsen, and he wasn't he really wasn't far behind in the Remsen either, especially early on. You got maybe shuffled a little, which that worries me. Is that both times he? uh rod's uh ridden him in stake races he's gotten shuffled a little bit so with 20 horses in the derby that does that does become a an issue if if um if the horse doesn't like dirt in his face or but it's weird he had a ton of dirt in his face in this last race so i don't i don't think it's that so i don't i just i'm just hoping it's um you know the horse maturing is what i'm hoping it is instead of uh you know the rider fitting the horse I do agree that Joel is probably a better uh one run closing type rider than, than a rod it's a rod kind of a kind of a he's like a push button you know get get the quick run get the jump on everybody else he's kind of that kind of rider so which I think will might help in the derby in this case because I think the pace might be like you said a little bit slower than than a normal derby so that that move early push button you know like get the jump might be a better move than sitting way back and and making one run
0: you make a great case he was the first pick in our derby draft you can find that youtube video uh, or the podcast and the in the money feeds in various places duke can't wait to see you down there in uh, louisville
22: yeah it'll be great uh uh it's gonna be gonna be a good derby it's gonna be hopefully good weather and uh it should be a great horse race because we have a we have a lot of horses that Uh, are solid this year as as in a couple of years past. uh, I think uh, we don't have a, we don't have a big favorite, which is good. And we don't, um, and we don't have a, what I would call a weaker Derby field. We have a good field of horses this year.
0: Talk to you soon, my friend.
11: All right. Great.
0: Next up on the show. Very happy to welcome back another guest. I always love to have on these airwaves. Mm -hmm. We had him not long ago to talk about his new book. Then one year, we got into a side conversation, as one does, and I honestly think this next guest might be the first person to confidently give a derby pick on the in the Money <laughs> Airwaves. It was before the last prep race, making it far more impressive. He was talking about Epicenter. His name is Chris Andrews from the South Point in Las Vegas. Chris, how are things?
23: I'm doing great, Peter. How are you? I'm doing very well.
0: Do you have a financial position on this horse?
23: Not yet. You know, Peter, I, I I've bet Derby horses in the futures before and I've gotten burned on uh, you know, late scratches and that sort of thing. Uh, I've done well with them, too. I've had definitely some uh, very, very good scores in the futures. But this time I felt the price was a little too short by the time I decided to play. And I figure I'm better off just waiting till post time, making sure that he could that he's going to be in Kentucky, going to be in the gate come post time. But uh, I I I. Most definitely will have a financial position on them once uh, once they go to post.
0: What attracted you to Epicenter in the first place?
23: Well, I really like – well, first of all, I love Joel Rosario. He's probably my favorite jockey right now. Uh, I like the way uh, in the Risen Star, he went to the front and never never yielded at all and really extended, uh, extended his lead in the last furlong. Uh, and I loved his breeding – uh, he's uh, the sire is, uh, not this time who was very lightly raced, finished second, to classic empire in the breeders cup juvenile, but he was really coming in that race. The classic umpire empire was another terrific horse, but not this time was really coming hard. I think another, even another 16th of a mile, I think he would have nailed him. Uh, so he's a horse to me that looks like that his sire was a horse. that looks like, uh, he wanted to go a route. I was also out of a candy ride mare. I love the candy rides uh, over the years. If you have ever listened to my other podcast, I always speak very highly of candy ride. And uh, I noticed another thing with the, the Nick, they say, is with uh, candy ride out of any storm cat blood. And not this time has that storm cat blood. Uh, candy ride, some of the ones, the Nicks that they are talking about. Uh, shared Belief, who I believe was the best horse in training at the time, got wiped out in the Breeders' Cup Classic, never had a chance to show it. Sidney's Candy, another multi-millionaire, And, of course, Gunrunner, who won over 50, $15 million uh, on the track. So there's that, Nick. And below that, you know, below Candy Ride in his female family is El Aman Amu and Sadler's Wells, two great stamina influences. So this horse showed tremendous speed. Uh, and then in the following race, the uh, Louisiana Derby, he actually got held back a little bit and came off the pace. So he, to me, he's shown he can win on the front end. He could uh, be a stalking horse if he needs to be. And like I said, I love Rosario. And I'm sure as the race unfolds, Rosario will have him at a terrific position. It's always hard to do because I'm assuming there's going to be 20 horses in this race. But uh, if I had to have my money on one jock right now, I mean, Rosario would be certainly in the hunt among the great jockeys that will be riding in that particular race.
0: He's fabulous. And as a Mo Donegal backer, I was certainly a little bit uh, trepidatious to see Rosario choose Epicenter over Mo Donegal. It makes sense based on politics based on what Epicenter has accomplished. It's not like I'm losing a whole lot getting a Rad Ortiz Jr., but I do echo no. your sentiments on Rosario.
23: No, I read, I'll tell you, if Rosario is not my favorite, I, I would be right there. So, yeah, it's not uh, it's not a big uh, downfall. But, of course, you've got Asmussen, uh, who's never won a derby. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about that. He's also not been great with uh, stakes races over a a piece of ground. And I understand that. Um, I also think he maybe has not had the right horse a lot of times. And this time I think he does. And I think he finds the winner's circle uh, first Saturday in May.
0: An unbelievable story, Asmussen winningest trainer. There is, I think, I forget the stat. It's something like 0 for 22 in the Derby, but Derbies are hard to win. It's not like that's some hideous, yeah. <laughs> unovercomable stat. Does it give you
23: any pause at all that he hasn't won the race? No, like I said, the fact that he hasn't won a Derby doesn't bother me. Although I was, I, was re- I think it was Andy Sterling was talking today about how you know he hasn't been great with routers uh, in Grade One races and. You know, I think Asmussen's background, uh, you know, they came out of the quarter horse ranks. So he knows how to get a horse out of a gate, out of the gate pretty well. Uh, so I think that, and again, it might be a little bit deceiving. He's just had such tremendous success in races that, you know, haven't gone over a piece of ground. That it's easy to say, well, he hasn't been as successful here. He still has quite a few winners, uh, you know, in horses that do route. And I think this horse is bred to go that route. and I think he's bred to do it on the dirt rather than on the turf. And uh, you know, I think uh, I, you know, I, I really think that horse is going to be in the winner's circle on uh, on Derby Day.
0: And I mean, hey, you mentioned Gunrunner before that that wasn't far from a winning effort for an Askewson trainee in the Derby. Just you know, a lot has to go right. Well, we appreciated you being the first to tip epicenter on these airwaves. <laughs> we doubt you will be the last. Always great to catch up with you. Before you go, though, Chris, just want to encourage folks to check out your new book, Then One Year. Just a fabulous look at the, behind the curtain at what goes on in a bookmaker's life. There's some good racing content in there. There's some amazing content about a year of sports like no other. We want folks to check that out for sure.
23: Well, thank you, Peter. And if you hang out with me for a year, there's definitely some racing content somewhere along the line. I can tell you that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Chris, thank
1: you so much for your time today.
23: My pleasure, Peter. Thank you. Well, we had to bring
1: in some California reinforcements. Uh, the, the California horses are always dangerous on this Triple Crown trail. Uh, Jose, what do you think about Happy
9: Jack? Well, happy uh, to see you, J.K., and uh, happy to be on. And Happy Jack, California is in a good in a good role. But I, what I found interesting about Happy Jack, and I don't know if you're if you know uh, what's what's the current situation at Churchill, but His best outing was his debut win when he used Lasix. His last three starts after that, no Lasix. He's got a trainer that has won two out of the last 10 runnings of the derby. That's the only trainer outside of Baffert in the last 10 years that has won the most derbies in the last decade. Doug O'Neill, he won it with, I'll have another, and Nyquist. And also, it looks like the rider that's going to be picking up the mount is Rafael Bejarano. I mean, Rafael Bejarano and Doug oneill they had a ton of success here in SoCal. And Rafael knows Churchill very well from his time riding out in Kentucky. So that's a couple of things on the positive to look at. Now, on the flip side, he wasn't much of a threat since his debut win. But looking at his, at his racing style, what I've seen in the replays, he's a little bit of a green horse. He kind of allows horses to get away from him. And then he shows a little bit of a mild bit. I don't know if he's still learning and, and developing. But when you looked at his maiden diploma, the way he rallied and kind of turned it into another gear when things got busy in the stretch, that was Lasix. He hasn't been allowed with Lasix since then. So, JK, maybe that's something to look for if he's allowed to get back on Lasix back in Kentucky.
1: Yeah, I agree with the Doug O'Neill aspect. Doug, Doug's the type of guy, he, his training style, his horses always seem to have no issue stretching out. You know, jump up and surprise you a little bit, but I guess it is a little bit concerning. Like you mentioned, his last three starts hasn't really made any impact, but in, in, in all fairness, he's been chasing pretty talented horses yeah. in Messier, Forbidden Kingdom, and Tabia. So uh, in your opinion, is, is Happy Jack a type of horse that can win this race, or do you think he's more of a horse you want to use underneath? Or sadly, do you feel like he might be a horse that you probably want to toss in the spot?
9: Uh, it's going to take a lot of good things to happen for him to me seeing him winning the Derby. But I think there's angles to look at where I think he can run much better. I would not be, uh, uh, you know, opposed to using this horse in in the exotics. Uh, A lot of things have to go right, and there has to be significant improvement for him to be a legitimate threat on the win end. But I can see this horse at a price being in there in the mix to get into some of those exotics.
1: Jose, I appreciate you taking the time, and we hope to see you soon. All
9: right. Thanks, Yak.
0: That's going to do it for this monster pod. PTF here thanking everyone who appeared on these shows, especially JK for all the work he did. And especially wanting to thank all of you, the listeners for making these shows so much fun to do. Remember, get involved at the chance to win a $200 bet on the Derby sign up for our free newsletter in the money slash email and drop a comment on either video, the Oaks video or the Derby video, letting us know who you think is going to win this year's Oaks and Derby. Quick thank you to our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing around here. You know how we always love to root for the purple and black. And, of course, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Donate generously to them. trfinc.org slash players. What else do we want to thank? We're going to thank producer Craig and producer AJ. We needed them both to bring these shows to you, and we appreciate them very much this show's been a production of in the money media our business manager is drew cotney our chief creative officer is jonathan kinchen i'm peter thomas fornatal may you win all your kentucky derby and oaks photos